Welcome, Pathfolk, to the Find the Path Ventures actual play. Nope, that's not right. Find the Path Ventures <laughs> after party live. It is so deep. It is so deep. It is every so ingrained in my psyche to have this, uh, every this exact single launch. time. It is so funny. That's just, we cannot stop from just starting like we always do. Like, Oh, uh, gracious. It's always the edited out of the episodes. Is, this, yeah. The funniest thing is, and it usually gets edited out, is Rick every time going, Welcome, you know, Pathfolk, to the Find the Path Ventures actual play. Of the tyrant's grass or whatever we're doing, because <laughs> like, yeah. you got the pause where you're like, "What show are we doing right now?" The funny thing is when I when I launch into the wrong one, I'm just like, "More for the crowd." It's like this is what do I have tyrant's grasp up in front of me? <laughs> uh, no, welcome everyone to our actual play live number nine, the first of the year 2024. So uh, thank you all for joining us this fine, beautiful Saturday morning. At the very least, uh, beautiful as far as Texas is concerned. I was going to say, for Texas, it's quite nice. I was outside yes. <laughs> all, like, a, a lot yesterday. It's so nice because it's just cold enough to need a jacket. It's great. So I am, of course, your host, uh, Rick Sandage. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Jenkins. Hi-o! And uh, yeah, we decided we're, uh, well, I mean, we obviously, we do an after party um, the first Saturday of every single month. For those of you attending here, for those of you listening at a later time, it is uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time on the first Saturday, which uh, today would be the uh, January the 6th. So um, we're kind of kicking off the New Year's, getting a chance to look back at uh, the last year that we just finished and look forward to the next year that we're uh, we're now entering into, I suppose, the current year that we're in now and what we have planned going forward. So, yeah, um, yeah we were planning on doing a little uh, retrospective and a, a look forward here. I'm not sure exactly how much time it's going to take. Jordan and I were talking about that just before the stream started. And so, of course, we're going to be doing Q&A at the end of this. So if you have uh, any cues, we'd be happy to aid them at the end of this. So uh, feel free to ask any of the questions in the chat. And uh, I suppose we should get things kicked off now, shall we? Kick it off. I think the biggest the biggest thing for everybody from last year was us launching the new show after we finished Mummy's Mask, War for the Crown. It's true. Uh, that launched, what, the 3rd of January last that year? That was back on the 3rd of January. So uh, it was almost a year ago to the day, you know, three days ago. It, uh, Why, today's almost the anniversary. It's still a little surprising when I think back to it that it's been over a year since we finished Mummy's Mask. Uh, we were talking, uh, I think I mentioned a little bit about that in, uh, uh, might have been on the Discord when I was chatting with someone or something related to that, that we'd launched all of Mummy's Mask. We'd gone through the entirety of Mummy's Mask. We put out the finale for Mummy's Mask. But for us, we'd actually recorded ahead because we we're trying to get started on War for the Crown. Yeah. And so we had the, you know, the rush of the finale for Mummy's Mask back in uh, um, 2022. We then had to wait like a full, I think it was six or seven weeks before that episode actually dropped because we recorded that far ahead so that we could get everything started and the ball rolling on uh, War for the Crown. That's sometimes the challenge with these shows where we, when we do get ahead, it's a bit of a struggle of uh, of waiting for everyone else to actually catch up to the cool, awesome things that, uh, that we had planned ahead. If you really want to know what's the worst part, not like because I don't edit or anything. The worst part about doing a podcast is when something super cool happens. And I'm like, in three weeks, everyone, I can actually talk yeah. about this because <laughs> it, it is the worst to know. I like sometimes we are literally counting down until like the release of an episode because we're like, people are going to freak because this is a crazy one. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, that really, I feel like, was a bit of the case with uh, War for the Crown also, is that we launched off War for the Crown. Again, we dropped with three episodes. And uh, War for the Crown is one of those adventure paths that has a, a really good initial setup. I love the setup for War for the Crown. It has a really good slow burn. And then, uh, let's say right around episode nine or ten, um, it kicks into gear. And uh, that was a similar thing with War for the Crown that I thought it was great from the from the word go but once it really kicks off yeah it it's an interesting ap to start with where you start with no combat because you're going to a social event right yeah. and like it's role play heavy like you would not believe and like i know we we, we kind of were worried a little bit inter internally we were like are people gonna like that like this we were we known for our role play <laughs> get me right but like that's a lot of role play in, in a start. And it's been really interesting to see over the year. Like people are really into it. Like they're really into the social interactions and like keeping track of who's who and who's scheming and theories and stuff. So it's, it's been really good to see because it is a very different adventure path just in layout than I think the other ones that we do. It was interesting because it was almost a trial run because we finished off the year. I mean, currently uh, we actually aren't a, uh, releasing War for the Crown stories per se. We're actually releasing stories uh, with the the B team. Part four comes out this week. You're getting to explore these uh, these alternate characters that we're doing right now, which was uh, one, it gives a chance to kind of illustrate this, uh, this other side, these much more adventurous noble scions from a very similar event. And two, I think- They've uh, actually trained a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Cornelius. And two, I think it's a little bit of a- the the Knights of Summer for War for the Crown are very almost reactive group. They're yeah. a you know we're we're participating in these noble galas and we're going to these events and all the rest of that stuff and we're we're more being dragged into this. Whereas the B team are a very proactive group. So I think I think it's very interesting there. But what I was uh, linking it back to what you were saying just a minute ago, as far as the kickoff uh, the gala that launched uh, War for the Crown, one of the interesting things with it is it was almost a dry run for the beginning of book two which is a much yeah. more in-depth version of that very same concept of can we have a role-play-centric story that is 100% role-play over the course of, God, I think that thing was like 15 episodes. It was, yeah, it's a lot of episodes. And the, if you haven't caught up on it, the it's honestly, it's some of the most interesting stuff that we've done because it is things like, okay, well, we're going to be playing, uh, you know, a simple game and, you know, here are the rules for the game. And like, that's the only time that we're really, you know, rolling dice outside of like diplomacy checks and, and trying to gather information and things. So yeah. it's, and it's, it's also interesting because we, a lot of times the roles are just, okay, we kind of like, we don't usually role play like every single role, but like every role is basically getting role play because it, we have to tie it to information that's being accrued. So I find it really interesting, you know, the, that it's 15 episodes, which seems like a lot. Cause I think that's like an hour and a half times 15, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my math has failed me at this moment, but that's um, over but 20 it, hours, it, honestly. Yeah, it was it was the kind of thing that it didn't feel like I was sitting there going, are we ever going to fight anything like, oh, my gosh, are we ever going to like, you know, see the and then when we actually like get around to doing something that's vaguely combat, it's like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> this, this is not supposed to happen. <laughs> we weren't ready for this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I really I really like that. Um, you know, it's it's a heavy emphasis on role play. And I know like we had. Funny enough, uh, people have been calling that we had called this like years ago, back when we were talking about like things we wanted to do after Mummy's Mask of yeah. War for the Crown being on our short list. And it was very much like when it came out, the one that we were like, man, we would kill at that. Like we would be really 
like we'd have a we'd have a blast and i think people would really like it because like we like role play and we like taking things like serious and stuff so it's been yep. um you know a good first it's only part, we're only in part two of book two so it's a book and a third yeah Oh, hey, Heather. hey, he- oh, we got a Heather surprise appears. Heather cameo. Do you want to say hi to everyone on the mic? Hello, Pathfolk. How yeah. are you doing? Yeah, it was she just came in here. But not I'm, not, I'm not here to see Rick. I got to see Dexter. Yeah, she came in to see the cat. She has her priorities straight. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Y'all have fun. There you go. We get a, we get a surprise <laughs> Heather cameo before she takes Man, off. Usually we get a, we get a cat cameo. We get a full on person cameo. That's that's unexpected. That's a rare one. There's your shiny Pokemon. There you go. But uh now she completely broke my train of thought. I know, right? <laughs> what we're talking about. No, what I, what I was going to say is that uh, it was very... Oh. Somebody's watching the stream. <laughs> Did you see Heather on the stream? <laughs> Bye, Jessica. Okay. All right. We just had... All right. Now, all right, for, for the, now we're For the people listening at home. Yeah, yes, we're completely was, off track. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Jess coming into my office. So... Um... <laughs> Races. But uh, yeah, anyway, so I suppose keeping back with what we're doing, the ladies always slipping in here to throw a quick curveball at us. <laughs> I just completely really did break my train of thought. That was actually that was very impressive. Uh, we were talking about we're a book and a third through. Oh, yes, yes. We're, like so with I think War for the Crown, the very interesting thing is there was a lot of really good role play um, that was thrown in early on with that that really established the characters. And uh, I feel like there's almost two ways to really quickly establish characters in Pathfinder, which one is that giving everyone this opportunity, this platform to really role play their characters. And then two, um, and segue here, two is the Tyrant's Grasp method of take everyone and just throw them in the deep end. And uh, that was one of the great things I feel like uh, with, that happened with Tyrant's Grasp, that it just kind of takes the characters, does an initial like kind of establishing scene, which is what we did with the Tyrant's Grasp over on our Patreon, and then just throw them into this uh, this difficult, this complex, this uh, very um, uh, challenging um, initial set of episodes, which is what Tyrant's Grasp was. No spoilers here. Um, although if you are interested in finding out more about Tyrant's Grasp, uh, for $1, you can check out the first 12 episodes over on our Patreon. And shameless plug, shameless, shameless plug. plug. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I suppose uh, segueing away from War for the Crown, um, which, again, we did uh, 52 episodes of this last year, um, even before we stopped to do this side, st- the side story, uh, which was a great launch. And we ended in the uh, um, just reaching the second part of book two um, over in Tyrant's Grass. We'd actually uh, started the year with episode 90, uh, which was right at the beginning of um, uh, part three of book three. And oh, um, oh that. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> oh, yes, that, yes. That part. <laughs> Which I could basically say, oh, that part for basically all of Tyrant's Grasp, if you're not on our yeah. Patreon. Oh, it's, oh, that. <laughs> it's a phenomenal adventure, but it is God, a, it's a, a great AP. And yeah. like, I mean, I think we've said this before, like some of our best work on the role play side. Oh, yeah. Like um, I, I have been It is called a crying podcast for a reason, though. Bring tissues. Yeah. I've been absolutely loving Tyrant's Grasp. And uh, as far as pacing is concerned, um, I mentioned this. Uh, I think maybe it was I actually made it into an episode. I'm not positive. Tyrant's Grass has some of the hands-down best pacing of any adventure path that I've ever run. It is non-stop in a very good way. Yeah, like, it it does that really good thing of, like, it doesn't need to give you a specific date, but it gives you that, like, push to push so strongly, like, the entire time that, like, you don't, like, you feel the, the survival aspect of it, of, like, I don't have enough time, I have to make these trade-offs. Like, it's... It does such a good job at that where a lot of APs will be like, something nebulous will happen in the future, but it doesn't ever really convey a date uh, or yeah. a threat even sometimes. So it's it's super solid on that. I always go back to, this is a complete side tangent, but the first Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 1, 
And there's a part in Baldur's Gate 1. I don't know if you ever played through that um, or not. Jordan, uh, it but... has been like two decades. So, <laughs> okay. I love Baldur's Gate 1. I don't remember anything. And um, at, at a certain point in the story, you get poisoned. Spoiler alert for a 20, almost 30 year old game. Yeah, I was going to say super old game. And it's interesting because they tell you then, then and there, they're like, you need to get this solved or you are going to die. If you don't, if you rest too much, if you do all the rest of that stuff, you just die. And it's very unforgiving because it's like, you know, what happens if you recently saved? What happens if you overrode your primary save and you have to go back 15 hours before that? Um, or if you didn't save at all, because, you know, this is back in the day before they really did uh, checkpointing quite as well. The uh, remastered versions of Baldur's Gate do. You've got to be kidding me. Look behind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey, baby. Oh, she's not in frame. You got to come fully in to be in frame. Uh, she's not. She's not fully. She's actually not in fully. frame. You can say hi to everyone. Hello. Yeah, doesn't want to be left out. So we have a Rachel cameo as well. Um, everyone but Ross, it seems. Anyway, I'll see y'all later. Have fun. All if right. we got Ross, I'd later, be buddy. really surprised because we're not scheduled to meet with him. The ladies had other plans, which is why they aren't yes, joining us. Say, so. They're all getting together and going to a thing, which is why they're all around at once. But um, apparently they had time enough to, to show up and, and uh, photobomb us. So there you go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and uh, that was always one of the things I really liked about Baldur's Gate is it was just, it was unforgiving. It was uh, um, this, hey, you've got this time limit. And if you think, oh, I'm in video game time. So it tells me, oh yeah, you're poisoned, but keep doing all your side quests and all the rest of that stuff, which is uh, kind of standard video game. Yeah, okay, these m- days. Most games, it's like, okay, if that's a plot point, I have as much time as I need to get to that plot point. Yes. For it to be, you know, a cutscene that it gets cured in or whatever. Yeah, there might be a clock ticking behind the scenes and all the rest of that in Tyrant's Grass. So often you're keeping track of like, you know, what am I doing during this time? What am I doing with these uh, specific what am I doing with these specific plot points that I'm trying to get to? And Tyrant's Grasp has that constant drive forward of you need to keep going. You need to keep accomplishing things. Yeah. And so and it's it really honestly helps like, pacing. There's only been maybe like a few points, period, where I haven't been like, I know exactly what I need to do. Like what exactly yeah. needs to be done right now, which has been crazy. Like it's it's so well paced that it's like it's that frantic pace of like us sitting there going, OK, we need to. You know, we don't have time to upgrade gear. We don't have time to like, you know, stall. (laughs) There is, you know, you know, something huge is happening that requires us to just go and do it. And that's been like even some of the most recent stuff that we've done has had that. Um, And like even stuff where it's like, okay, you're going through like, you know, a dungeon. They Mm -hmm. they pace it so that's like you have a reason to speed run that dungeon as much as you can. Um, And I really appreciate the tension that that brings with us to go, okay, well, let's look at our resources. Could we go for another room or two? Um, Well, we got to find this thing. So, yeah, we should really push for another room or two. Like, I like that desperation in the in the in the game. Well, and again, it's um, not to keep ranting about uh, Tyrant's Grasp, but really talking about the show. We really like Tyrant's Grasp. I've I've very much been enjoying that. It's going to be like Mummy's Mask. I miss Mummy's Mask a ton. Yeah. Which I've I never do. done with another I, I AP. I legitimately, like, yeah, like, we're going a little off script here, but uh, we just have bullet points here. We do what we want. <laughs> yeah. I, there there are a lot of times that I'm sitting there and I'm like, I miss I miss the characters of Mummy's Mask. I miss the story of Mummy's Mask. I miss the, this is a very, you know, nerdy, you know, Rick side of things, but I've got an entire folder full of sound sets from Mummy's Mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I recently got to pull them um, out. For those of you uh, listening to the War for the Crown, you're actually going to hear some old Mummy's Mask music oh, and sound I know the sets one and stuff for an upcoming part of the b-side story for war for the crown and like i miss those sound sets 
I'm like, oh, I miss that music and those sound sets and that that very peaceful desert wind sound set that I have. Yeah, like people people going through on the Discord and and talking about Mummy's Mask and the Mummy's Mask channel. Like I live vicariously through that because I'm like, oh, I do remember <laughs> that. And then I'm like, I'm sad it's over. Again, like Tyrant's Grasp has been great this last year, um, in large part because uh, one, we had our episode 100 which was uh, that's always a fun milestone for every um, adventure path is, you know, usually you get those those every 50 episodes or so, you know, and we had our episode 100 for Tyrant's Grasp, which is one of my one of my favorite episodes that we've ever recorded. I thought it was a lot of fun. I got to do something uh, really neat with that one, mm. which I won't spoil here, but uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Honestly, it's uh, it's in the running with uh, again one of those early uh, you know episode like for War for the Crown that had some really great moments. Yeah, for my favorite episode of the year. God, if we did favorite episode of the year, that'd be so hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although have so I think many I know what I would pick. Now. I think I know exactly what I would pick, though. <laughs> I know exactly. I say that, and then I know exactly what I would pick because yeah. this year had a very very clear winner for me. But speaking of uh, of winners, as far as things are concerned, um, we did reach uh, in episode uh, 108 for Tyrant's Grass, which was uh, in September. Uh, we had uh, reached earlier on, on in the year the 5K goal for our Patreon, which meant that uh, Tyrant's Grass became a weekly show. Which is huge. Which was huge. Which is huge. And I honestly think like it is really... I think everyone in the group has really embraced that new, like it was building up, it was building up, it was building up. And for the longest time we were all sitting there going like, when do we play Tyrant's Grasp again? Cause we were just trying yeah. to get a backlog on this and we're trying to record ahead on that. But it was always that again, we were all so eager to play that game. And we finally got this like, yeah, we can actually go in. We can start recording way more Tyrant's Grasp, especially as it kicked off, like right as the party got started in book four. And, um, you know, the fact that we are so far into book four already, like it feels mind blowing to me because I think about the pacing we've had for Tyrant's Grasp, that we started the year in part three of book three and we're ending the year in part three of book four. And the fact that we've got an entire adventure path book done in one year um, from Tyrant's Grasp, which used to be bi-weekly, since it's weekly now, like really getting in there, it's not that, uh, it's probably much better for um, Jordan and the and the rest of the, the player side of the crew that you're not having to wait uh, two or three weeks whenever I do like a cliffhanger ending and then it's yep. like oh great yeah. now we now I'm not going to get back to this for like a month until we record again. yeah it, it's I love playing the shows weekly like or releasing yeah. them weekly because we play we then play it more often and it is that thing where it's like there's times that I'm sitting down at Hell's Rebels going okay it's been two or three weeks um look at the map what were we doing again <laughs> yeah I mean, like oh I'm poisoned you know like stuff like that where it's like okay like what was happening like what I don't even remember what the cliffhanger was um so I like doing it weekly because it I feel like when we I like going through them faster but I also like touching the adventure path more often like I feel a lot oh, yeah. more I feel like a lot I do I feel like I personally do better work with more constant like you know episodes that we're recording it's sometimes yeah. like a challenge to go Okay, what was happening? I need to remember that. What was the accent? Like, Jess always has that problem. She's like, what's the accent that I was doing for this character? Yeah, it's mostly Cypress's accent just invades every other like, character. It's always Cypress that comes out. It's very interesting. Yeah, and that was one of the interesting things with um, with us switching over. Actually, you know what? One, one of the interesting questions that I receive a lot, one of the most common questions people have uh, reached out and asked me is, does this feel like a job recording this, making the show? And to a degree, it is like, actually, this I is mean, literally my job. Now. I was going to say, you full -time went full time job. this year, this, uh, this past year. This is like you your guys job succeeded. Now. You got Rachel, her yeah. husband back. 
And the interesting thing is, is that for, I think all of us there, there's the job aspect of that, which is, that is, that is my Monday through Friday. That is where I'm Your editing Monday through Friday, and, and then we record through. on Saturdays and Sundays. And then we record on Saturdays and Sundays. But as far as, as far as me personally is concerned, you know, my, my Monday through Friday is a lot of, you know, working on projects, editing. I can spend a lot more time on the edit now, which um, I think some people have really, like, I always appreciate when people notice the edit, when mm. people are like, oh, I was listening to uh, somebody mentioned that during the gala, during the masquerade, when all of you are doing your dances, that I actually played the actual music for the dances that you were doing. And that's something I would have never have had time to go online and find open source versions of these songs and put them in the background and really try to up the audio experience for everyone. Yeah. Or like the infernal contracts is another one that was new. Oh yeah. I just put uh, out that infernal contract over on our Patreon. So good. (laughs) I'm still upset. I couldn't, I didn't make the role to be able to read that because like (laughs) behind the scenes, I have actually written and like evaluated contracts for work. So like I have some experience, I'm not a lawyer or anything, but I have some experience with contracts and I was like, I need to help. (laughs) It sounds like someone needs to take the, the linguist feet to get, um, infernal. And Seriously, one of the upcoming yeah. levels, yeah. Seriously, yeah. No, that's that's literally on my list because I'm like, I I know it. I I think I even, like because Lucia was going to get more into the law stuff, and I'm like, I think of infernal is necessary for Chalaxian law in certain cases. Going back to what I was saying just earlier, though, like when we're sitting down to play the game, there's a little bit of that. Like you have your microphone etiquette, and you have the you know we're we're aware that we're making this product, but I really think it is for everyone. It is still just the love of the game it's the same as it was six years ago before we started the podcast that we we want to tell these stories and we have this collaborative like we're focused we're sitting around the table and i think that there's sometimes where everyone gets into this zen state where they are so focused on playing the game that you forget that there's the microphone that you forget there's there's the computer screen that you forget all the rest of that stuff and you get invested in your character and uh the tension of the fights and all the rest of that yeah honestly i think for me it's still it's not really work when I'm playing, you know, the work comes before and then the work comes after. Yeah. Well, and you go like above and beyond in the game mastering side of things and the, and the editing like is, you know, I've always crazy. been a little, uh... <laughs> you, you've always been a little <laughs> intense on that. Been a little extra when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, for, for me, like the thing about it is the recordings consume a good portion of the weekend, but I still re- feel refreshed. Like this is what I want yeah. to do because like, I think we've said this before. We started this podcast because we were we were getting together for like eight hours every weekend yeah. to play games, like usually one adventure path. And so we just took what we did and we started recording it. And it was a little awkward at first when you learn how to do the mics and stuff. But like, I'm not really thinking about the mic right now. You know, I can just yeah. play, right? And uh, it's funny because somebody mentioned something in, in, I don't remember which disc, uh, which Discord channel it was. They said, is Jordan's in uh, out of game reactions similar to his characters. Like I think it was with Lucia. It's like they're higher pitched. And I didn't, I have never realized that I did, did that, um, that I oh, get yeah. like into my characters, but like, yeah, I, when I, I was funny because after that, I was conscious of it and we were recording Tyrant's Grasp and I was like, wow, I do just kind of grunt and groan more when I'm playing Octavius. <laughs> like this, I didn't, you know, you, you don't think about the stuff like that, but I, yeah, that's kind of how I stay in characters. Like I yeah. kind of react similarly to kind of how they do. So it's, uh, it's been fun. And I, I find that really interesting. Like I still find, yeah, the the interaction with the audience to be some of the most interesting part of this because it's not just I don't get to just enjoy the game I think get to enjoy people's reactions and anybody who's played tabletop RPGs know you start telling people stories about your adventures and some people's oh, yeah. eyes just glaze over and they don't really know <laughs> right but yeah. it's so different to be like no you are literally along the ride with me you know exactly yeah. what's going through my mind right now like it's it's very unique 
and I, I often respond to people who reach out to us that, that they talk about how much they enjoyed the show. One of the common responses I give to people, and I mean it legitimately, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, is is thank you for joining our adventure. Yeah. Because it is the fact is is that there is an extra person at the table, and that extra person at the table is you. You know, when when we were recording in person, we literally had an extra empty seat. Um, that we're that part was just because you know there were five of us at the table originally, and so there was a, a seat at the end yeah. of the table. Uh, but the other part of it was just like just be aware that like someone is technically in that seat. There is a person in that seat, and it's the person that isn't playing the game but is watching it. But don't and look at so, them um, when you're, tr- you know, when you're talking. Look at the mic. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's like don't don't look over there and, and all the rest of that stuff. It's, but, it's the whole thing with the sports. Uh, the 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 sports people like the football team. They'll tell you like there's an extra person and it's the audience. Like yeah. you know the fans and stuff. Like it's very kind of similar to that. Um, in that you know, I feel inspired to go beyond and push myself and do something. You know. Uh, to better the the production of what I'm doing as a role player because there is an audience. Yeah. And again, it's one of the most common things that I, I receive and I appreciate it literally every single time. I can be a somewhat reserved person at times, but being being emotionally open right now, like it means so much to me when people reach out to me and they tell me listening to you, following the story, listening to the games that, that you put out um, have made me a better player, have made me a better game master. And um, it's funny because it's it's reciprocal where I also feel like from people's commentary, from what people have brought to my attention, um, from just the practice that I get not only playing the game, running the game, but also then listening to myself afterwards. I feel like I have improved a great deal as a game master um, over the last five, six years now that we've been doing this. And this last year, like every year I'm sitting there going like this year, this year was our best episodes. You know, yeah. 2023, those were our, the hands down. Those were our best episodes. This is some of the best stuff we've ever put out. And so it makes me so excited looking forward into this next year that I'm like, what are we going to do in this next year that I'm going to be looking back and going like, oh my God, like that, that was the best episode we ever put out. Hysteria is somewhat back, like Tales from Dark Moon Vale, right? Like we had our Tales from Dark Moon Vale before and um, it's one of those funny things of like listening back. I remember uh, Jessica made a comment veering away from uh, from Tyrant's Grasp, which again, like great show. I've been very much enjoying it over into the, we launched the second season for Tales from Dark Moonville. And when I first uh, made the announcement for it, that we're moving over the um, the recordings from our Adventures feed into the Hell's Rebels feed. And we had a thing where we discussed it and we were talking about how, just so you are aware, like we added a couple of caveats in there for people that hadn't listened to Tales from Dark Moonville before. That it's like, this was recorded years ago. And Jessica, I remember, made a statement that she was like, it feels a little apologetic. That statement is like, I don't really want to apologize for Dark, the first season of Tales from Dark Moonville because I think it is excellent. However, we were using our old school um, Audio-Technica $60, $75 microphones and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, now I'm talking into the, the one that I've got right here, which is, you know, a $500 microphone because we have a Patreon that lets us invest money into improving mm-hmm. our sound, improving the quality of the shows. Literally, I, I wish I had one available in arm's reach to pull out for you guys. When we recorded, fun behind the scenes here, when we recorded Tales from Dark Moonville, it was right at the beginning of the first season. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I went to Ikea. I literally bought those cubes, the little fabric cubes that you get for little inserts oh, into yeah, your yeah. Ikea cube bookshelf. I bought the fabric cubes. I lined the inside of that, the back and the sides and the top, uh, with audio foam. 
and then I stuck a microphone in there. <laughs> and yeah. for for all of us, with the exception of Jess and Jordan, because we were all recording remotely, we were doing the social distancing thing. All of us, Rachel, me, Ross, and uh, Heather, we had these cubes taking up the entire central portion of our desk with a microphone inside of them. And so like you look at the camera and you're following what's going on in the camera and you're looking at your computer screen and you have to lean down to talk into your yeah. microphone where you can't even see the camera anymore. It's like, I've got to talk into this box down here. And so um, I made this, uh, you know, part of the announcement thing was like, this was us struggling at the beginning to try to do a remote recording situation. And we were able to to make it work to, to get Rachel off of my microphone. I had to buy a 15 foot long head jack cord like for headphones, uh, for a cord for it to run all the way from my office down the entire hallway into her um, office uh, yeah, because she was running that. off oh of my, my audio as yeah, far as my, my headset the, the was concerned. That we were using, yeah, because yeah. we had a single mixer. And God, it was so Oh, ridiculous. yeah, that was before the solo, the Scarlet solos that yeah, we that use was now. Be- it was, that was, that was actual got mixing boards we got this. for everybody. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up whenever we launched that, I wanted everyone that has backed us on the Patreon to know how much their support has meant to us, to how much their support has improved this show, because it really has. It has been leaps and bounds this entire time. And every year we hope to improve it even further. Every year we invest in new equipment, new devices, new things to make this streaming, both the streaming side that we're doing right now, but as well as the recording side of it to make the audio better. And so I really think when we launched the second season of Tales from Dark Moon Bell this year, I think that that is a great indication of how much people's support has really improved the product that they're getting. Again, we're, you're paying money um, and we're delivering a product in exchange for it because yeah. of the investment that people are doing. Because it's, it's not even a short time. It's not just a, you know, I'm buying a, a buying a video game. You know, it's almost like every single month is a Kickstarter for every single episode. It's, you know, every single time you're investing money and then you're getting these, I would hope, great episodes back in exchange. And good after parties, hopefully. (laughs) And great after parties and all the rest of that stuff. But yeah, we did just first, we just started releasing the second season of uh, Dark Moon Bell. The first episode was released, um, uh, episode 10 was released mid-December. I think two episodes are out right now and a third episode's coming soon. Yeah. Um, and that was I mean, that's been a, that's been years coming of us promising. Yeah, this will be the year oh, yeah. of Tales from Darkmoon Vale. And then it never happened. And this year we fi- you know, the 2023, we finally recorded it. Um, and it's fully recorded, by the way, like we've we're, we're not going to be stopping midway. Like we recorded the entire next part. So, yeah, that was one of the things that we really wanted to do when this came out is um, it took us longer than we wanted it to because of a various number of things. There's always, you know, again, while this is a full time job for me, this is not a full time job for anyone else. And I always try to be cognizant of that. And again, we've never really missed an episode. Uh, we recently had an episode that was delayed, um, Hell's Rebels, in fact, because of yeah. um, outstanding circumstances. Um, however, that episode is out. Like we've never once had an, a, an episode that we just had to skip entirely or something like that. That is because of the amazing dedication of, uh, of the entire Find the Path crew. And while I can do this as a full-time job for everyone else, this is something that they are doing still. They've been doing for six years in their free time. Trust me, we'd love to go full time. Don't think yeah, we yeah. wouldn't I go full time if we could. Tell your friends. <laughs> Please. We all want to be <laughs> professional podcasters who do nothing but play Pathfinder all day. Please yeah. <laughs> unlock just, uh, our dreams. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll follow Jessica's whole idea of, of starting up a Find the Path compound where we've got uh, we got a, our dedicated recording. Yeah, studio everyone's got like, like we've got a know. dedicated recording studio and then everyone's got their own little tiny homes or something like that on a plot of land. And we just pay out the nose for really good Internet. 
Um, <laughs> and then we just we stream for you guys all the time. We'll, we'll do that's uh, that'll be the time that we start doing live streams. Uh, as as Eagle King has uh, has pointed out, we actually even during the pandemic, we didn't miss a single episode. Yeah. And uh, and it was a struggle, which would God, that was hard. <laughs> that was that was a struggle. Yeah. It, it was a struggle, but it was it was worth it because uh, we we love what we do and we love delivering this audio and we love sharing this adventure with everyone. And so, again, with the return to Tales from Dark Moon Vale, like this was a jump back in again. We recorded that during the beginning of the pandemic 2020 and uh, 2023. Like we kept promising that the next season was going to come out and we're and like, we just couldn't make it work year. We just couldn't make it work with the scheduling. Like it was so tight. Yeah. The, the scheduling was, was so difficult and there were a number of things that came up. And so we were finally like, this has to be the year. This has to be the one that we do it. And, um, you know, even when, even though I think we promised it at the beginning of 2023, it wasn't until, um, I think it was August or September that we actually got yeah. a chance to record it. And we didn't actually get a chance to finish doing all the recordings until um, November to, uh, to launch the first episode here in December. And so um, again, like it was really interesting to return to it. Um, we all listened back through. Cause we're all like, what I have vague memories. This person? <laughs> it, well, I mean, for, for anyone, for everyone listening, everyone listening is probably a gamer, you know, and if you haven't been a, a tabletop gamer, you know, one, thanks for, uh, following the podcast and two i really hope that you get involved into it because of the podcast but we're all gamers and we know what it is when you're thinking back on an adventure that you ran three years ago you're like oh i do really remember that but when i was personally and i edited those episodes when i was personally thinking back to dark movelle i was like okay i remember the beginning like i remember a lot about my character and it's like and i remember like the general details on everyone's character i keep thinking i always kept thinking uh heather's character was a ranger the entire time i was like oh yeah she is a rogue yeah <laughs> because she has such strong ranger vibes basically my memory of the first part before i listened back through was i am playing an elven wizard um he doesn't swim very well dwarfs are heavily <laughs> involved and rick talked about dwarves a lot <laughs> uh, yeah. like love I the dwarves <laughs> that's all i remembered yeah, and I was like, I think we fought a cauldron once. Like that was my whole yeah. thing. That was like oh, everything yeah, yeah. I remembered like pertaining little, towards it. The yeah. little memorable encounters, the things out that of jumped it. out at you. And so yeah. we all listened back through it before we sat down to play, so that we would, so that for you know our characters, it would seem like no time had passed. We'd immediately jump back into it, which is again one of the brilliant things of being able to uh, listen back to your own recordings of your own episodes. Is you jump back in and go like, okay, yeah, I can I can go back and re-listen to this and go, this is exactly what was going on. You know, it's just like I just played this. It keeps it very immediate. So Tales from Dark Moon Vale, again, it's released on our Hell's Rebels or Find the Path Presents feed, uh, which is Hell's Rebels, which is, again, free for anyone. If you're uh, listening to the main feed and you haven't ever tried out Hell's Rebels or anything like that, you can jump over on Find the Path Presents and you can listen to Tales from Dark Moon Vale to see whether or not you like us playing second edition. Because, again, you know, the that after parties were released our on our, second edition our main show right there. Yeah. So Tales from Dark Moon Vale is, uh, is running over there. And again, Hell's Rebels is honestly like uh, we're talking War for the Crown and Tyrant's Grass. Like I know for some some of our players, Hell's Rebels is the number one game that they love. You know, it's been a, it, it's been a very fun, interesting ride for Hell's Rebels this last year because we started um, at the beginning of part two of book two in Hell's Rebels. Um, I think it was episode 55 back in January. And we ended an episode um, 80, so 25 episodes, uh, 26 total. And since it is a bi-weekly show, and we're still actually in book two. And some of that is because like, we went on some interesting <laughs> side tangents. It is, hard not, it is hard not to with how open Hell's Rebels is to 
not even getting distracted, but like there's so much to do that it's it's so easy for us to go. No, we have to go investigate this thing that's probably not actually that important because we're also guilty of falling in love with the side characters, like in general, yeah. and being like, no, we have to go help this this guy who's being haunted in his bakery. Well, and uh, and Hell's Rebels has actually been an interesting learning experience for me as a game master. And I think in large part because um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you're aware that I love to foreshadow. I love foreshadowing. And one of the interesting challenges with doing an urban campaign that I've found as this has gone on, it's a little bit more difficult when you start to foreshadow like, hey, maybe this event will happen. And the party immediately grabs onto that and goes like, okay, well, we need to investigate that right now. Like this is now the number one importance. And since it's in this city, you know, and you're not like, we can. oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not like, you know, I'm in Mummy's Mask and you guys are down in Wati and I'm, you know, talking about something that happened in Sothis where you're just like, oh, well, that's interesting. But that's also like a thousand days and days away, and days yeah. away. Like we can't go over there and deal with that. Uh, whereas when you're in the city, you're just immediately like, we need to jump into this. We need to do this. And uh, this year was really big on the um, investigation side of things. Yeah, yeah. Which. Um, Rachel absolutely loves one playing an investigator such as she is in that. But Rachel herself, like every time we're running a game, every time, uh, every time I'm running a game, every time we're playing in something, Rachel always has that thought of like, why am I not playing an investigator? It it is like the number one comment that that she has is she always wants to play an investigator because she loves being the person to find out stuff like that's we all all have our things we like to do. Jess likes being a druid, you know. Um, I like making silly, weird characters like we all have our own things. And like Rachel's is absolutely I want to be the person who makes the the knowledge rolls and knows everything about the stuff. Well, and it's not just that. It's also like, you know, me like, you know, as a as a game master, as a player, even like I love I love horror. I love these weird stories. I love um, these tension set pieces. And for Rachel, Rachel, you know, Rachel loves her, you know, her mysteries, her, um, you know, Agatha Christie type stories, yep. her, she loves these, uh, trying to find this thing, having this puzzle and, uh, and Rachel's a, she's a true crime junkie. And so the moment that you're like, there's a serial killer on the loose, Rachel's like, what serial killer? Yeah. She, she's basically those, uh, those characters and only murders in the building. <laughs> she's yeah. basically them. <laughs> and <laughs> not, well, not and again, quite that bad. Like, no, you know. but and again, with, um, with hell's rebels at the beginning of this year, like it kicked off with a mystery. It had this, uh, there was a very interesting through line that was basically a missing children story. There was a through line yeah. through the entirety of the year, uh, which was great. And, um, I really enjoyed, but hell's rebels does, um, this last year, I really feel like it reinforced to me the, the challenge that we have with having that show be biweekly is yes. Everyone. We were just talking earlier about how we were always, you know, thirsting to play more tyrant's grasp and i feel like now everyone just went it's like great we now have our fill on tyrant's grasp when do we get to do more hell's rebels <laughs> yeah so truly and, we're all addicts and it will never be enough so you know we'll always yeah. want to be recording more <laughs> we're, we're, too much we're never all, enough yeah i was gonna say we, we all have way too much fun doing this so um when can we have Absolutely. more fun and again like hell's rebels has been a great story um you guys are really like I would say, honestly, the end of this year is the end of book two, but you're all on the cusp of book three and uh, Hell's Rebels is uh, book three was one of the the very interesting parts of the story. It's kind of a subversion of a lot of what has happened in Hell's Rebels up until this point. And so it is something I've been very much looking forward to. I mean, I, honestly, book two has been crazy. Like, it's been a lot of fun. We've done a lot of crazy things in this book that has been real fun as somebody like who... 
I, I like the the interesting like I, I don't like us getting into a pattern and it's always nice to break that pattern and Hell's Rebels is really good about keeping you off a pattern because you're always doing something different. It is. One of the things that I really loved about Mummy's Mask, um, and it ties back into this, but one of the things that I really loved about Mummy's Mask is if you're looking back at the Mummy's Mask adventure path, um, and there won't be any spoilers for anyone who hasn't had a chance to listen through Mummy's Mask yet or is playing it, Mummy's Mask can be clearly divided into actually a trilogy. Mm -hmm. That The first two books of Mummy's Mask are kind of one story. Um, it's a part one, part two. And then the second two books of Mummy's Masks are a separate story. Again, and when you're really looking at it, you can tell that there's a theme that goes through those two books. And then the last two books are a third story. It really takes six books and turns them into a trilogy. And I will say that Hell's Rebels is almost the same thing. That the first two books are kind of an A-side, B-side. They're a part one, part two of this uh, the single story line, which is really the formation of this rebellion. And when you reach, uh, again, book three, which uh, the party's about to reach, it's like we finally have our feet under us. You know, we finally have uh, we finally built up the rebel alliance kind of thing and uh, really getting into the like, all right, now we're going from being again, as we're kind of talking about with uh, with War for the Crown earlier, the party goes from being more reactive to far more proactive. Yep. And I think that that switch is going to be. One, I think that that switch is going to make the upcoming story, the next year for Hell's Rebels, really interesting. And two, I think it is going to doubly reinforce for my players how much they want to do Hell's Rebels on a weekly basis. Ah, <laughs> it is torture, y'all. It's torture. So, um, yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's that's mostly looking back at 2023. Um, I know we went on a, a little bit of side tangents there, but um, uh, judging by the chat, it seems that most people uh, very much enjoyed our little side tangent. Jordan and I always do like to be able to just sit around and talk. I was going to say, yeah, we, we just talk like we'll yeah. just we we'll just talk for hours. Um, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. You and Ross are the same way. Like it, we've oh, done yeah. the same thing. Like if you guys are curious about um, where um, uh, Hennessy, the B-side character from for the War for the Crown came from, it was Rick, Ross and I talking i don't remember what we had done the day before but we were talking at ross's apartment for like a couple hours and we yeah. fleshed out this entire character like just looking and, and looking up stuff and like going back and forth so like it was it was really interesting because i usually don't generate characters that way but it was like one of those like really fun times to just sit around and just talk characters and kind of like, a collaborative experience it was um, very collaborative yeah it was very fun which is a whole lot of fun and and again like i i really love having that opportunity to just like you know, Ross and I will sit there and we'll just talk for hours. Y'all um, talk it's too the late. Y'all need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ross and I are both insomniacs. And so, like, we'll stay up until, like, you know, two, three, four in the morning just talking shop. And uh, one of the comments that we've gotten the most pertaining towards the podcast as a whole, and I always appreciate this, is when people say that it really feels like they're sitting at a table with a bunch of friends. And... You know, we've never reached the point where we're coworkers or anything else when it comes to this yeah. podcast. We are a bunch of friends that love this game, that want to hang out, that want to talk about it. We do talk about other stuff. Just to be clear, we do, we do talk about other stuff. <laughs> it's not often, yeah. but we do have lives outside of the game. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do an after party this year that's just uh, Jessica, Heather, and Rachel, and they can just talk K-pop to, uh, oh my gosh, to the audience yeah. the entire Speaking of developments <laughs> of the year, oh my gosh. <laughs> so if you're, if you're really into K-pop, I'm sure they can do an entire K-pop stream for you guys. They would probably love to. And, but yeah, and again, it's it's so much fun for us to be able to just sit here and engage and chat about things and really enjoy what's uh, what we do, uh, which is play this game because we love this game um, and we love creating this content. So uh, again, I think it keeps kind of going back to that. And uh, the last thing I was going to say as far as 2023 was concerned is this year has been phenomenal 
for the Patreon. Like I cannot stress how impressed we were by the Patreon support we've received this year. Truly wild. And I know some of that was that that push to get us uh, over over the finish line when it comes to Tyrant's Grasp and getting Tyrant's Grasp on a weekly basis. But we've had so much of this amazing outpouring of support, and it has meant a lot to me personally, because, again, this is literally my livelihood now. Um, I've, I've set aside being a numismatist and looking at coins and all the rest of that stuff that I used to do. And now you I'm still able like to really talk about coins, though. Um, I still I mean, I, <laughs> you, you did that for a long time. So. I did that for a very long time. Um, and it, it will help me someday when I make my IRA and all the rest. It of that helps stuff. anytime you're, you're talking about minted coins in game. You know, that that just kind of gets into my own personal love of history. Um, and heck, this year, I've been able to delve a little bit more into my own love of like architecture and things like that. Get ready to see that kind of incorporated in a couple of things here soon. It really is amazing how many people have reached out, you know, not to get into like numbers and crunching numbers and all the rest of that stuff, but we have literally seen a 30% growth in one year for our Patreon, which is astounding. And the fact that that growth has been continuous, because at the beginning of the year, I was sitting there going like, okay, like this is a little bit of a cynical outlook on it, but it was, okay, there are a lot of people that are, uh, shall we say, leaving the world's most popular tabletop RPG because of an entire controversy of their own creation. See back to January and the entire um, OGL debate. Yep. And they're looking for things. And so many people, so many people on our on the subreddit, so many people um, on message boards, when people reached out to him, said, hey, I've learned tabletop gaming through actual plays, and now I'm interested in learning Pathfinder 2nd Edition. So many people pointed them to us. And I know we have that reputation for being rules accurate. It is something that we strive to do. But the fact that everyone wanted to do that, everyone wanted to tell people, go and check out Find the Path. And I don't know how that translated into uh, to Patreon support. Uh, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But that amazing growth that we have seen this year is because of word of mouth. We've literally never spent a single cent on advertising we have we've never done our own self-promotion like we haven't even gone on to like other things and been like you should check out our podcast like we have never even done that we did twitter stuff for a while but uh the twitter's just kind of turned into its own twitter is a thing now it's a thing um and so like we don't really oh, like do thing. a lot of the social media stuff and so really it has been people spreading word of mouth that have told other people about how much they enjoy the show how much they enjoy the characters how much they enjoy uh what's the tagline actual nerds actually playing yeah, where we're just sitting around the table with a bunch of friends. And uh, we're so glad that all of you have chosen to join us at this table. I mean, there's also people who who pointed out our discord and said, hey, you want to you want to learn 2E or, you know, anything that's like a good place to go. And, you know, we've had people join the shows and, you know, everything who never heard of us before they yeah. came onto the discord. Like it's 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 all you guys. Like our success is only because of you guys. Like we have yeah, really we cannot stress done, that enough. Yeah. We have really truly not done anything to be as successful <laughs> as we are. Like, we, every book about how to be successful would not. Other than I, I would hope put out a product that everyone likes. Yeah. But yeah. And, and I'm so, you know, it, I know how much it sucks for the people that were uh, 5e players for years and years, because, you know, I was in a similar boat. Like I played third edition and 3.5 for years and years and years. And then, um, it wasn't a controversy of the, you know, OGL level, but it really was that fourth edition just didn't go a direction that I wanted it to go. And Pathfinder provided me what I, I wanted to keep doing. And it was so difficult for me to, you know, for those of you watching the stream and everything, if you look over my, my left shoulder here, um, or right shoulder, I don't know if it's reversed or not, but uh, not. if you look over my shoulder there, like those are all of my 
3.5, 3.0 books, my Forgotten Realms books up there, like all of this stuff that I had for years and years because I invested so much. I literally owned every single novel that uh, takes place in the Forgotten Realms, with the exception of the entirety of the Harper series, because it's actually really hard to find. But I literally owned every single Forgotten Realms novel and read through them all because I loved that world so much. And it's so difficult sometimes to take that step away and go, this game isn't what I wanted it to be anymore. Or I don't agree with, you know, what this, not even Wizards of the Coast, really what the parent company Hasbro is choosing to do. And so um, I've chosen to step away. I've chosen to pursue another game. And that is incredibly brave because so many people get stuck into that. Uh, what is it? The uh, lost cost uh, fallacy of like, uh, or the sunk cost, cost fallacy. Yeah. yeah, that I've spent so much money in this already. Like I've gone too far. I need to, I need to keep yeah. going with this. And so being able to look at that and just going for those people that did leave um, fifth edition and decided to try out Pathfinder second edition or try out something new, or maybe you just wanted to try something new. Maybe you'd gotten as far as you felt like you could go with that game. That's amazing of people for people that, that took that leap. And I really hope for those of you that chose to learn second edition by joining our adventure. Um, I really hope that it's paid off for you. And trust me, like I'm, I'm one of those people. I know Jordan's uh, not necessarily teased me about it, but uh, I've, I've remember you've made some jokes about it before where I'm one of those people that like anytime that there's a, a sell on uh, drive through RPG or a humble bundle or something like that, like I've got so many games. I've got like the, I've got so Blades much. of the Dark. I've got Scum and Villainy. I've got um, Dread. I've got, you know, all of these. My Call of Cthulhu collection is massive. And I really want to run those games someday. I just... Finding, finding the time to is always the yeah, challenge. Yeah, it, it is. Because I actually got to play Scum and Villainy um, over the New Year's break. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, it's very different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And, like, it got me going, all right, Rick, Blaze in the Dark, let's do this. Like, I mean, yeah. I think... I think, honestly, Blaze in the Dark, we would have a lot of fun at. Um, <laughs> Rick would have to be flexible, which would be very fun. <laughs> hey, again, I can think on my feet when I need to. You'd be amazed. That we, again, there were, I think, four I, the, episodes in Hell's Rebels. You do it so seamlessly, I would never know that you're well, thinking on you. your feet, though. So. I try my best. And again, like, Jess and Jordan were talking about how much fun they had with Scum and Villainy. And that was and just so, a one, uh, like, three-hour session. Like, we didn't even, like, do, yeah. like, a whole campaign or anything, so. Again, um, I, I think someone mentioned in the chat that, you know, the scheduling is always the big bad end guy and it oh is my gosh. like yeah it is the challenge um and again the, the more support that we've received and and all the rest of that the more interesting things i feel like we can maybe try to do in the future and all of that is uh all of that is moving into i guess uh, looking forward towards 2024 and what we do have planned for the future so far <laughs> so far <laughs> we, should, we should we should point out so far we are always planning i like to have ideas uh, that just kind of float around. Rachel teases me sometimes. Uh, there isn't an easy way to show it because it's actually off screen. It's around the corner over there. I organize myself by sticky notes, not just the pink sticky notes, which I've got over here. He has other colors of sticky notes now. It's He's gotten fancy. <laughs> it's true. Uh, funny enough, actually, uh, three of my five sticky notes right now pertain towards Jordan. It's always me. So, it's, it's always Jordan. It's always me. <laughs> if, there, if there's a time to, to fumble a save, it's going to be me. And that's a sticky note. <laughs> And, and we are potentially working on, uh, on having some Find the Path brand sticky notes because uh, people keep uh, keep requesting People actually those. really are really interested in that. And uh, we are looking at that. Yeah. You know, and so I have all these sticky notes and all the rest of that stuff that are just like, you know, here's a sticky note reminding me like we've got a recording coming up and we've got all the rest of that. And I kind of take the exact same approach when I'm planning ahead. 
where I like to to have a lot of ideas, to basically have these sticky notes written down that's just like, we should do Blades in the Dark. We should do Call of Cthulhu. We should do these one-off things. All the t-shirt things. ideas that we All always the t-shirt have ideas that we made. have. And then, you know, I can always go back to those at a later time and just go like, these are the things. And when we actually have a, there's an opening. I mean, that's really what happened. Uh, fun behind the scenes thing. There was basically a period, of, God, I think it was like three weeks long, where um, either someone was sick or had to be out oh, of town yeah. for something or something mess, like yeah. it was a whole thing just trying struggling to get the the schedule down uh, while still recording uh, dark moon bell uh, which was also eating up a lot of the the scheduling time and it was during that time when i was looking at that i looked over and i'd had a sticky note i'd wrote myself a while back that i really wanted to play with the idea of the number of players in a thing and you know the the furthest you can get down to that is is one is yep. one on one Unless it's just and, you playing against yourself, which would be yeah. weird. I mean, unless you guys really want to, you know, see one of us do a solo game where we're just like, it's just me playing. Was it Thousand Year Vampire or something like that? But um, I had that sticky note sitting over there that was just like, yeah, play around with the number of players. And that was when I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do that. Like, we've had so much difficulty because this person's sick right now and this person has to leave town next week and this person's got to go on this trip. I was like, let's go ahead and just do six episodes um, that was like five of them I can just record because it's whoever's available at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I just recorded all five, you know, of those episodes. And then once everyone was back together, we recorded the sixth one, which is what ends up being our A side B side and uh, our, you know, not A side B side in this Uh, case. It's what ended up being our B team for uh, war for the crown. And I enjoyed it so much because I really felt like in that, that you kind of compressed five episodes worth of getting to know a character into one episode. Yeah. You know, even though it was a lot of like, this is stuff going on in the background and this is, you know, establishing the scene and um, you're really only getting an hour. You're getting an hour focused on that character. So, you know, for instance, like Jordan was the first to step up to bat with that. You know, that's why he was the first uh, for those episodes to be released. And, you know, Jordan, like Jordan, and I had never done a one-on-one game before. Ever. And Jordan just threw himself fully into it. It was just like, the, like the I'm here, I'm over the top. The closest we've done is we played Warhammer you know? 40k. Like, that's as close to one well, yeah, I mean, that we've like done of yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was very little role play involved with, you know, my that's, space brain strength. That's brains, very right? true, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we, you did uh, Daemon Army at one point. I did do Chaos Daemons for a little yeah, while, but uh, bit, Salamanders yeah. were my kind of go-to for a while. Um, and I know you were uh, Raven Guard. But, yeah. And Ross, unsurprisingly, Grey Knights. But uh, Heather actually had a really, high, a really large uh, Tyranid Army for a while. But... The fun thing was, is like that was an idea that was floating around for a while and that we were able to pull out. And so, uh, again, when Jordan's saying like these are we're looking forward at 2024, it is a lot of like these plans could change at any time because uh, we look at it and uh, the things that we commit to, we commit to. I, I say that having missed the target with the Dark Moon Veil for two years. I say that with, uh, with uh, Tales but, from Dark <laughs> But it got out. It, like eventually it will happen. <laughs> And most of the stuff that we have planned for this year, again, this is kind of our general outline. You know, again, we're coming back to uh, to War for the Crown. End of January will be the return back with uh, episode uh, 53 as we return back to the main story with War for the Crown, which is going to begin uh, part two of book two. Uh, and I think I've mentioned a couple of times in passing, but I'll re-mention it here for those that aren't listening to War for the Crown. Uh, book two is what sold me on this adventure path. And I've done the a, way I think, that you've set it up sounds amazing. Like the way that it's been yeah. kind of teed up. I'm super excited for the next part. Oh, and I am too. Like I've been waiting for more, this part honestly, for a it's while. It's had more discussion uh, outside of the game of us talking about like what we want to do and like the kind of stuff like we'd usually do but in a big battle where we're like, oh man, we really got to plan something, you know, to make something happen in this next half. Like 
No, we uh, sounded very football all of a sudden. I was like, like, we'll get him in the second half, kids. We'll get him in the second Um, half. (laughs) Anyway, but like, it's been so interesting to be like, okay, here's 8,000 things we need to go do. Let's go figure out what we want to do. And, you know, we have different of opinion. And then (laughs) suddenly we're like, wait, we're not recording right now. We need to go do this while we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is more of a Rachel comment. But uh, as long as we don't pull a Dallas Stars and then uh, we literally lose a two-point lead. Rachel and I are a bit more of hockey people than, uh, than anything else. And God, the Stars, I love them. But the cost of being a fan of something is they, they let you down uh, occasionally. The the really interesting thing, I know this has been brought up a number of times when we were playing uh, War for the Crown. It, it is that interesting thing of everyone goes like you're talking about it like you guys usually do with a battle where it's just like, OK, well, you know, when we get back into this next episode, we need to heal up this person. We need to cast the spell. We need to do this other thing. Honestly, at the gala, it was a lot of, OK, we need to go talk to this person and this person yeah. and this person. <laughs> and it is that fun thing of uh, of the ridiculousness of it when we're playing. We play Tyrant's Grasp on Saturday and then we'll play War for the Crown on Sunday. And Tyrant's Grasp, it's like, you know, oh, we're in this horrible situation and everything is death and decay. And, uh, you know, we, we've got <laughs> to we've got to keep pressing on because we're episode. all going to die. And then you get over to uh, War for the Crown. It's just like, oh, yes, we when we get back, when we get to our manor house and once we settle in, we really do need to send a missive over to the Baroness to have her over for tea so that we can hopefully manage to further influence her. Um, and don't forget that we do also have a tea date to go and see the uh, the conservatory with uh, Lady Crab once we have the time. It's so ridiculous of the know, switch between so those two stories. So good, though. And I love it so much. You know, in the meantime, like over in the, the Hell's Rebels, they're all sitting there going like, who is this murderer that's killed this like however many people this, this week? Although there there has been a, a little bit of a tease that there might be some uh, some investigating going on in War for the Crown soon, too. There's a reason so, why um, uh, Rachel's playing an investigator. Yeah. There's investigating to be done. Um, so again, War for the Crown, very much looking for, I, I think everyone is really going to enjoy um, this next book, uh, this next part, of, at the very least, of book two. I'm genuinely curious how far that the, the party is going to get um, over the course of the next year. I've, I've looked at my schedule and I'm just kind of going like, I'm, I'm going to try to avoid having 50 episodes in book two. Um, and try to keep the pace going well, but there's so much content there's so, there. There's so much stuff that's already been teased out for us to go do. Like, I actually feel like if they had been doing uh, three-part adventure paths in first edition, I honestly feel like someone could have taken book two of War for the Crown and turned it into a three-part adventure path. Like, oh, I, there's I, I, I agree so with that. much yeah. there. So very much looking forward to that. Tyrant's Grasp is, uh, is of course, going great and will continue to be a weekly show through the entirety. Of the, so it'll be the first year that we've gone through with Tyrant's Grasp being weekly we're in the 120s right now and so the idea of being in the almost 180s by the end of next year um you guys are in the tail end right now of book four which man book four is great it has been a bit of a roller coaster ride up until this point in a very positive way i think for all of you um and for me especially except for some things but yes (laughs) (laughs) except for some things but um it's one of the really interesting stories um, I was very, very much sold on uh, book four for Tyrant's Grasp and uh, book five for Tyrant's Grasp has been like since we started doing that, that has been something we've built, been building to. It, it's it's one of the things all I know about it is it was written by Luis Loza, friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, and I'm and so no, excited no, no, because of yeah. that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, no, I, I, very don't, careful I, with I, I don't remember anything yeah. else. Like, that's all I remember is and I'm just like, I don't yeah. I don't need anything else. Right. Like it's it's you know, there's there's certain people like who are writers that when I hear that they've done a book, I'm like, this is gonna be a great book. That's true. And Luis has been a friend to the pod for years. I think since the beginning. 
almost since the, he was uh we were the first people to interview him yeah yeah back before we even did mummy's back mask when YouTube we were just days. doing youtube <laughs> interviews and all the rest of that stuff we went to PaizoCon and we did an interview with him and um i remember when he told me about writing uh book five for tyrant's grass funny enough i think he told me that he was working on it when they announced tyrant's grasp uh, before they'd even put out like who was writing what he mentioned to me that he got to write uh, one of the books in there and was so excited for it. And I remember sitting down to do a uh, a talk with him a few years back and he was like, yeah, um, he was talking about at that time, it was the newly put out uh, Fist of the Ruby Phoenix and saying how uh, he really pushed to be the, the book one because he was like, yeah, you know, there's all these actual plays, but I always am putting out like the, the last couple yeah, books. Like, like, I always the, miss them. He was like, I'm always way back in the back, you know, when we started up Tyrant's Grasp. And he was like, I'm so looking forward to you guys finally getting to uh, book five. But it's like, I know it's going to be so long to get there. <laughs> but yeah, and, and he was, you know, book one in Fist, Fist of the Ruby Phoenix. So any actual plays that are doing Fist of the Ruby Phoenix, he's in there right out the gate. So I definitely I'll have to reach out to him and uh, and thank him. Uh, again, for his years of support and be like, hey, we're here. We've made it. It only took yeah. us four years, but we made it. And uh, and I do plan on taking advantage of, uh, of that connection and reaching out to him and going like, hey, is there any extra stuff like you didn't manage to work in? Like wow, because of word count, because of editing, director's cut. you know, yeah, let's get the uh, let's get the writer's uh, writer's cut of this adventure path. So, yeah, Tyrant's Grasp, I think this next year is going to be great. I can only imagine. I think there's going to be an episode that will be on par if not above anything that we've done up until this point as far as oh. like the impact for it honestly tyrant's grasp has been non-stop rug pulls and plot twists and it's i true. love it so it's much yeah, it's it's been so God. good again if you have not listened please listen to tyrant's grasp um if you have not had the chance to play tyrant's grasp go out and play it it, it is very difficult it is a hard adventure it is survival yeah. horror at the most extreme um again the thing that i set down don't build your um, characters to 20th level thinking that you're going to be having certain <laughs> things like certain weapons and yeah. stuff because it doesn't work that way <laughs> um i remember when i sat down with everyone and i don't even really consider this a spoiler i remember when i sat down with everyone i said make your characters and understand that you will not be able to buy or sell gear until book three. And then and then when the party got to book three, I was like, uh, do your buying and selling gear and all the rest of that stuff. You probably won't be able to buy and sell gear again until book five. Yep. Like I was just blunt with it. I was like, don't expect to be able to constantly upgrade and upgrade your gear. Like you're going to need to just get what you can get, equip it, just keep moving. You know? Yeah. It's very much a... Uh, <laughs> I don't really I don't really play them because I don't really actually like playing um, um, online multiplayer games, but it is very much that battle royale PUBG yeah, thing. Just grab, like, dive in, just grab whatever center. you can and just <laughs> keep throwing it at things and keep moving. You can't stop. Yep. Yeah. If you stop, you die. Again, Tyrant's Grasp has been great. I'm really looking forward to what we're doing with Tyrant's Grasp next year. Um, Hell's Rebels has been phenomenal. And like I said, um, we're moving into book three, which is going to be kind of a switching point. Um, and it's actually going to be a switching point for a lot of things. I did want to talk a little bit about Hell's Rebels because the remaster rules, of course, are everything basically created under the um, the ORC, the Orc, and uh, Paizo's kind of response back to the whole OGL controversy at the beginning of last year, uh, which again, and um, we don't usually talk directly to Paizo or um, anything like that, but I do remember messaging when we got our, uh, our copies and all the rest of that stuff for the remaster and just messaging back and saying, like, very impressed that you managed to this controversy happened again. It is it has not even been a full year since the whole OGL thing happened. And we already have the remaster in our hands. Yeah. Um, at the very least, the first part, as far as the player's guide is concerned, as far as the uh, game master guide is concerned. And they, they kind of downplayed it like, oh, we, you yeah. know, it wasn't as big a deal. We just changed it. No, they changed a lot of stuff. Like it there was, was not a lot of as, changes. It was not as simple as, you know, 
control F, you know, con- yeah. you know, find all the, the, the word and replace it. Like magic missile or force missile or whatever. I was going to say, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a whole reworking. There's new spells. There's a lot of like different stuff that they put into it. So it's, it's a impressive amount of effort considering when you talk to them about putting together Starfinder or second edition, it was a multi-year effort. And, yeah. you know, they had a, they had a solid base in, in second edition to play with. But oh, they yeah. still made a ton of changes to, you know, basically close any kind of, you know, connection to the OGL stuff. So as far as um, Hell's Rebels is concerned, we will be switching over to the remastered rules, starting with the beginning of book three. Uh, for uh, caveat there, four books that have come out that have uh, classes. So like the investigator isn't in the core, yeah. so that won't be getting changed over. Really? I mean, the big change is uh, the big change will be for Heather because Heather's playing a wizard. Spells. So there's a lot so of spells. change there. Um, there's a lot of different changes for the spells. Um, Adria is going to be changed from spells, too. Yeah, you'll hear it occasionally. I think it's even been in some of the recent Hell's Rebels oh, no, episodes it, it where has it's just been, been like, absolutely has been. <laughs> it's kind of uh, started creeping in because we're making that slow transition. And I'm trying to use the terms like off guard because I've been saying flat footed for 15 years. It does help that Foundry's already updated to say off guard. So that's been helpful for us. Thanks, Foundry. Yeah, you know, do expect that the slow roll out of that because uh, I'm going to struggle with things like saying rank instead of level and stuff like that. Um, that's probably going to be something I'll struggle with. For we had the same thing when we, were, when we were playing when we first started playing Pathfinder. And we were like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, that's not how this spell works in in Pathfinder 1E. Yeah, and I, I would occasionally, even when I was doing, you know, PF1, like I would still occasionally just my brain would go. I know the entire esoteric rule set for doing grapples in 3.0 and 3.5. And it's like, uh, I don't have to use those anymore. It's it's slightly smoother <laughs> and much smooth and much, much more um manageable in second edition. And so, uh, yeah, for Hell's Rebels, we will be switching over to the remastered rules um, starting at the beginning of, uh, of book three. This will also translate into uh, there have been a lot of projects that I've been kind of I put them back on the back burner for a while now, in large part because uh, they were on the back burner for a while because I wasn't doing this full time. Um, And then I finally started doing this full time. And then it was like the remaster projects coming up. And so there were a lot of projects that I've had on the back burner that I've been kind of sitting on because I've been waiting for how is this going to change with the remaster rules? How is this going to update? How is this going to switch up? So I do expect to actually see a lot more coming out in this next year um, on the project side of things. And we are, of course, also still making our way steadily closer and closer to our uh, $7,500 Patreon goal, which would be the weekly uh, taking Hell's Rebels from being bi-weekly to making it weekly. And I am personally, I'm very excited for when that will happen. The impact I feel like for Tyrant's Grasp has been very noticeable. Yeah. Um, this change for Tyrant, just just the feel for when we sit down to play it um, has been so interesting that I really look forward to getting that same sort of impact with with Hell's Rebels. I really look forward to being able to tell the story in a, a much faster manner because there are some times, um, especially when we're, you know, right now at the the tail end of 2023, the party's at the, is doing a dungeon crawl, basically. Yep. There's that part of my brain that's like, okay, the party's making good time. Like they're going room by room. They're clearing this. They're fighting their way through. But because it's a bi-weekly release, there's a part of my brain that's like, they've been in this dungeon for like six it's been, months. It, has, it's, it is that thing where it's like, <laughs> man, we've been in there forever. It's been five episodes? Really? Yeah. It's been like three yeah. months for us. <laughs> uh, going back to, to Tyrant's Grasp real quick, um, we were talking about how much we love the pacing of that. Um, when Ross and I were talking about that once before, you know, I was just like, I don't remember if there was ever a point in Tyrant's Grasp that I felt like the pacing lagged. And Ross mentioned that there was a part at the beginning of uh, a book three that he was like, it felt like it maybe lagged for a minute or two, um, not going into de- no, any details. No, the point where we actually got to buy and sell stuff. The point where you actually got to buy and sell stuff. <laughs> That's where and it then, lagged, y'all. That's the kind of AP. 
And then when I went and looked, when I looked back at it, I went, it's like, I agreed with them. And then I looked back at it. I was like, actually, that was literally only two episodes. And it yeah. was, it wasn't even two episodes. It was like, there was the beginning of one episode that like is establishing a plot thing and then buying and selling some stuff and then some character stuff at the beginning of the next episode and then boom, right back into the plot. But I remember, I remember at the time feeling like it lagged a little bit because I think because of the recording schedule, it was basically, that was like six weeks for us yeah, because of where we were doing was. the recordings. And when you're doing it bi-weekly, um, it struggles. This feels like I'm, I'm lagging. It feels like it's slowing down, but then you have to take a step back and go for the audience listening at home. It was only two, like it was two episodes. It was, it was basically a month's worth of recording. And then for someone, you know, jumping in later. Um, that's what I always try to remind myself of. It's like most people aren't really listening. I love all the people that are listening to it as it comes out that I'm getting that day of reaction from people. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Um, and it is actually so useful that people go and comment on our subreddit on our discord um, about the episodes. But at the same time, I always think to myself, most people are listening to this um, that are binging it. And so like, even if you hit that lull, they're probably not even going to notice it. They're just going to keep steamroll right through and just keep going on into yeah. the next episode but with hell's rebels like i've really felt that a number of times where i'm like i want to record this more because i really want to get to the the meat of yep. this uh like everything i don't really uh, not to imply that anything up until this point has really been fluff but it has been a lot of that like that first part of the trilogy setup of yeah. um we've finished our new hope we're finishing our new hope right now and i'm really looking forward to the perhaps figurative perhaps literal empire strikes back portion of this uh, uh don't this adventure te don't path, tease so. with that man that's 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 <laughs> cruel man we don't need no inquisition coming in here and tearing us up we're just getting started <laughs> we've just gotten started absolutely and so yeah we're going to be um Continuing on with Hell's Rebels, and I really hope that we do hit the 7,500 goal soon. I mean, it is far off. It is, it's not nearly as easy of an ask. Um, not that the Tyrant's Grasp one was an easy ask, but it was a little bit more of a reasonable ask for uh, for 2023 to like, hey, I, I really think we can hit the Tyrant's Grasp goal, and uh, you guys hit that way faster than I anticipated us possibly doing. And if we keep up the growth rate that we have, um, which again, the thing most people can do as far as that's concerned, if you really love Hell's Rebels, is, uh, is either back us on Patreon, or if you're already a Patreon backer, Tell your friends, um, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, whoever you want to Especially tell your enemies, to. you could become friends with them. Brings everyone together. As far as the Presents feed, which is what Hell's Rebels is on, um, our Find the Path Presents feed, it will of course still be hosting uh, Tales from Darkmoon Vell on the opposite week from uh, Hell's Rebels. So for those of you listening at home that you're listening to the, the podcast feed for Find the Path Presents, you'll be getting a weekly episode. It'll just be one week Hell's Rebels, one week Darkmoon Vell. And that'll probably be going through um, June until uh, Tales from Darkmoon Vell is completely released. Season two is a little bit longer than season one it was. It is, yeah. Um, there was a lot Which more to do. Which means more goodness. Which means more goodness and more fun roleplay between characters, more dwarf facts. All the things that you really have grown you know, to we love need to make from a, We need to make Vell. a dwarf facts shirt to go with our druid facts shirt. Although a dwarf facts thing, it'd just be like a really complicated looking fax machine, except for it's spitting out like a stone carved tablet. Yeah, just a full on tablet. <laughs> be pretty great. That's actually, yeah, that's a pretty it's good. A, it's just, it's just a Christ CNC stuff. machine cutting out the, the words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Fun. I'll make a sticky note to remind myself of that later. As far as the Tales from Darkmoon Vell is concerned, again, it's been, it's a lot of fun. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed getting back to those characters. I really enjoyed um, getting back into that world. For me personally, this is, you know, just Jordan and I both talking about it because unfortunately Ross isn't here since Ross is the game master for that. But for me personally, it was a lot of fun just being a player again. Uh, yeah. I, I am a bit of a control freak. I do very much like to have, you know, that uh, that control, a bit more than a little bit sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do. I do. 
enjoy occasionally being able to step back and go like, I don't know what's on the other side of this door. I don't know what's coming up. I don't know like where this story is going to go. I don't know where these twists and turns are going to lead me. It, it's fun to be surprised. That's the that's yeah. the best part about being a player is you you get surprised. Um, and it's, you know, I, I find it like there's a, there's a part that's coming up and I won't say what part, but like really surprised me. And I'm just sitting there going, all right, we're going to deal with that now. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, it's fun. Like I, it's why I like playing wizards because wizards, you have to pay attention because like your, your plans change every single person's turn. So like, I yeah. like being surprised and like being like, okay, I've got to adapt and switch and, and go a different direction now. So. Yeah. And again, like if you haven't checked out tales from dark moon, Vale, check out tales from dark moon, Vale. Uh, Ross really delivers in the second season in making uh, making the story fun and interesting, and engaging. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting character development that some happens over the course of the season. There's some fun character ready. development that happens, and uh, ooh, there's uh, there are some very interesting points to that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's also very interesting to, to kind of uh, dodge around and talk about it because it's one of those rare things of uh, usually we're like three or four episodes ahead. Yeah, but we're things. done. But we're actually done with that. Like we're like yeah. that entire cut. I think it ended up being 14 episodes, 14 episodes. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that we're, you know, like 13 episodes ahead on that one is uh, is crazy. So um, get ready for that as that uh, that slowly comes out to you guys. Um, honestly, as much as I'd love to put it out faster than we do, it's just finding the time to edit. Yep. You know, working that into the schedule. So, uh, again, you'll have tells from Dark Moon Vell for the uh, the first half of 2024 and you know, hopefully everyone doesn't go into withdrawals after, uh, you know, you get into the second half of 2024 and find the path presents goes back to a week or a bi-weekly feed. But hey, maybe we get closer and closer. Get that. Uh, I'm, I'm really shilling for the Hell's Rebels because I really want to run more of that game. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. So I suppose we should get to our uh, our big announcement. It's not a huge, oh, huge announcement, but it's a I, fun okay, announcement. It's a, it's a pretty big announcement. As many of you know, um, unfortunately, PaizoCon is going to be uh, remote only again this year. Uh, which, again, I say unfortunately because it is great that more people get to be engaged in PaizoCon. But, like, I've, I've talked with a couple of Paizo folks about this. Um, I've talked with the crew. Like, there is that energy at PaizoCon that is so great when you're oh, all there, so when you're all in person. And that is something that we've missed. Uh, I remember talking to Ross about it, and Ross was saying he was very disappointed with it being only online again this year because Ross joined the podcast in official capacity the in 2019 the yeah and then 2020 it was canceled and then there was the hybrid one and then uh paizocon's just kind of it's struggled a little bit since then and i was telling him he was like well it's really disappointing that like that's i i can't go to it because he was like i've yeah. always wanted to go to paizocon well and i've never gone to a a i've never gone to a convention since we started this so i've never gotten to meet people in person period yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah technically speaking i think uh you went to the you went to the first one that we all did after we started uh mummy's mask but like we were still Nobody very we much were. in the like like we just started it was, it um, was like a month before or two the before. first year yeah like we had not yeah. I think we had uh, we were literally sitting there going okay we need to like let people know that we exist this will be our yeah. goal for paizocon from and, the and I've had so many, yeah, and I've had so many occasions to meet amazing people at these, uh, at the conventions and get together. So we decided for 2024 that the Find the Path crew will be attending Gen Con. And ah! I know, I'm very excited. I've never gone to Gen Con. Going, ah! Yeah. Um, well, I've never, I've never gone to Gen Con. It's been something we, yeah, like, we have you know, never gone, by the way, never gone. <laughs> it's the huge, huge event, you know, it's the giant thing. And so we've decided that we will be attending Gen Con. Um, we've really, this is the first time anyone in the crew has gone to Gen Con. 
as such, we're not planning on, um, you know, contacting them about hosting any panels or doing any events or doing any of the rest of that stuff or setting up a booth. Um, we want to go there in the way that um, I imagine for any of you that have gone, that you have experienced it. Actually going there as just we're going to be nerds, we're going to be there, we're going to be going around, we're going to be enjoying all the rest of this stuff. Um, we know that like a lot of the path folk attend get togethers. And so, of course, we do want to coordinate there and make certain that we have a chance to show up and meet with people because it has been um, it's been a while since we've had a chance to actually like go out and just and meet people, just talk, sit down, carry on conversations, really Learn engage. Learn how tall people are. That's the one thing that I've learned Learn how from, tall people from are. meeting people online, <laughs> like meeting people like online for work and then going and meeting them as you've realized, oh, this person's actually very tall or very short. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, like we have these great opportunities, like, you know, like the last year with our after parties where we had a chance to um, have um, TJ Khan and uh, and Gary both on streams. And we've got more of those planned for the, the coming months as far as the after parties of getting to sit down and really engage. But being able to like go to an event and actually talk to people, being able to walk around the floor. You know, one of the one of the memories that sticks with me from it was uh I think it was the second PaizoCon that we went to after we started the podcast. And I was in a panel. Um, actually, I was I was attending a panel. Um, I was in the audience there, and I was asking a couple questions of Luis. Oh, yeah. And I, I stopped to this. talk to Luis afterwards. And uh, I was talking to him and uh, James Jacobs. And uh, just as I was turning to leave, there was a, a gentleman behind me, and he said, hey, are you Rick? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I recognize the voice. He was attending um, PaizoCon from Australia. And having that opportunity to just meet um, meet someone in person like that, again, Rachel and I had the occasion where we were out at Scarborough Fair here in Dallas um, and, and had someone that recognized and came up and talked to us. And, and it's just, it's such a fun experience to get to meet people that love the show, that have been following with the show. It's, just, it's very surreal of meeting somebody that's like, hey, yeah, I know all about this game that you're playing. And I'm just like, I know all about you. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would really hope not, but <laughs> <laughs> they show a picture of your house. Is this your like, house? Oh, uh, no <laughs> security. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have, we have amazing fans. We, we have, and I'm not remotely worried about that. Fans. This yeah, <laughs> literally never happened. So, but, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited. Like for one thing for me, it's like, I'm very excited to get to finally go to Gen Con. This thing that I've been reading about that. I remember seeing the advertisements for it back in the day in my dungeon, my dungeon magazine and my dragon magazine and actually getting to go there in person and meet with people like I'm thrilled. So yeah, that's our, that's our big thing for 2024 is we are planning on going there. We're going to be coordinating. I think that's probably going to be mostly a, uh, maybe a bit of a Jordan thing, but probably a bit of a, a Jessica thing. Cause I know, um, our mods on our discord oftentimes schedule kind of a get together and so, like, if that's something you guys are interested to do, definitely pay attention to it. If uh, if you're listening to this and you've never attended uh, Gen Con and, um, you know, this is the tipping point that you just needed more icing on top of the cake of that all this fun, engaging things over there. Um, if that's the tipping point, please show up. Um, we would love to get to meet as many people as we possibly can while we're there and uh, and really just enjoy things. Because, again, like it's it's going to be a new experience for all of us. So, yeah, that's just kind of the really big thing that I wanted to talk about that we have planned for 2024. And likely there's going to be some other things. Um, again, these characters, the B-side characters that we've introduced for War for the Crown, you're definitely going to be seeing more of them. Um, with Tyrant's Grass, we had a lot of fun. Hopefully an A-team character dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is actually nothing. possible. We're no longer in a social situation. That's now po- back on the table of being possible. <laughs> I nearly killed Jessica in what was generally considered to be a social situation. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Well, no more hunting trips. That's what we've learned. No more hunting trips. No more hunting trips. 
so yeah, again, like Gen Con is our big thing going into 2024 that we wanted to attend. Um, like I said, this year, we really, we want to have that experience as just attendees. We want to be able to show up and just embrace being at Gen Con. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not going to bring audio equipment. It doesn't mean like, <laughs> I know that there are a number of other podcasts that show up there. Um, and so like, I, I'm planning on reaching out to a couple of them. Um, I don't know whether, and I think maybe it was last year when um, I spoke with the um, uh, Griff and Steve over with Hideous Laughter. I think they were going to Gen Con. Um, and I'll probably reach out to them, see whether or not, because I'd love a chance. We had a great time hanging out with some of the, the never, hideous yeah, still laughter never guys. Them, so. God, they're they're a lot of fun. They are great guys. See, this um, is why I want to go in person. I can meet people. <laughs> just leave this room. And finally. So, yeah, and like I would, I would love to have a chance of just like set up some shotgun mics and a camera and do like a live stream from the hotel room at the, you know after the after most of Gen Con and sit down with you know some other people and just chat about things because. Again, I, I hope if uh, if our if our rambling after party uh, thus far has has really proven anything to you is you're obviously seeing this with Jordan and I, but it applies to the entire group. Like we love this game, we love what we do, and we really just we want to have that same you know let's just jump in there, let's just talk to other people about this thing that we love. Again, just have this this awesome chance to to hang out and meet with people, and so that's what we're that's that's been something I've really looked forward to for a while, and. Uh, you know, and Rachel's doing her usual, like behind the scenes, actually an unknown thing. I'll, I'll give a, a little behind the scenes here thing. Rachel is an amazing planner, planner. for like vacations and get together. We're, we're doing a, um, a celebration thing for, uh, for Heather's birthday, which is coming up here shortly. And like Rachel's put together this entire, like we're going out and we're doing like hot springs and we're doing There's like the, mini golf and we're doing like all the rest what? of this stuff. Yeah. And it's the same thing when she was like, okay, so these are Gen Con days. Like maybe show up a couple days early and we go and like, you know, apparently they've got like some catacombs there and like, I was like, oh, it'd be amazing to see all these things. So really not just uh, experiencing Gen Con, but experiencing the entire environment there. And uh, it's just, it's something we've looked to, forward to for a while. And that's, uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And we hope to see all of you there. Probably not all of you, because, you know, there'd be thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But we would I mean, like to see as many of you as absolutely possible. if thousands of fans show up, we will shake it's all true. of y'all's hands. Especially if you come yeah. from overseas, because it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have spent serious money to see us. Let us shake your hand. <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose then let's go ahead and get into the Q&A. Um, I see that we maybe have a couple of questions here. And if, if any of you have any questions for us, um, feel free to to throw them in there. If it's about the I, Gen Con stuff, um, feel free to we, throw. We, yeah, I was like, we know nothing. Questions <laughs> out. Uh, but this has literally been like we were, you know, looking at the, uh, you know, we we're looking at the funds. And again, like um, just to throw this out there again, because we have been shouting you guys out so much, but to keep shouting you out so much. This is really only something that we all work. We all work for a living. I mean, I do this for a living now, but, you know, everyone works for a living. But there's a price investment, particularly if you're going from Dallas to um, not Dallas, you know, to anywhere that is not <laughs> Dallas, uh, but going from Dallas all the way to Gen Con. It's an expensive investment. Um, obviously, all of you are aware of this as well. And so really getting all of us out there is something that we are only capable of doing because of, again, the Patreon. Um, it is something that like as much as like being a teacher or teacher adjacent in Texas doesn't pay particularly well. Um, being a librarian, it's again, you know, Texas, unfortunately, is very, uh, shall we say, underappreciative of the, uh, the educational or librarian side of things. And so um, actually having the funds to be able to go out there to do this is really because of 
uh, our patrons being able to to schedule and coordinate all of that um, is because we have these amazing patrons that are able to uh, support us. So, again, um, on the on the side of seeing your money go into something that um, hopefully you get some enjoyment out of, um, I really hope that we can meet some people. And again, Gen Con is a little bit more um, um, how do you say uh, centrally located than yeah. uh, going out to PaizoCon in Seattle. So I I think it will be a little bit easier for people to actually get there uh, and engage with us. So again, really looking forward to that and looking forward to the chance for uh, any of the Paizo people that are watching this, really looking forward to the chance of uh, getting to meet with um, some of the Paizo staff again. That like, again, I haven't seen Luis in person um, since the PaizoCon before last. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into some uh, Q&A here. All right. Uh, feel free to keep those questions coming. Uh, first question from one Jimmy T. How good but difficult would your week be if Hell's Rebels was weekly or weeks be <laughs> if Hell's Rebels was weekly? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I think we were kind of talking that a lot about that a lot earlier. It would definitely be more uh, work. It would be more recording <laughs> by, the, would by the nature more, of more episodes uh, means more work. Yeah. Um, Again, like I remember when I um, when Ross was talking about joining War for the Crown and at the time being Ross was only in um, Hell's Rebels and Tyrant's Grass, which at that time was biweekly. And I told Ross right there, I was like, just keep in mind that you're literally doubling your workload. Yep. And, um, you know, he was down with that. He was on board with that. And I remember when Tyrant's Grass came out and we're like, oh, we're always struggling to try to get ahead on recording and all the rest of this. And and now this is going to be a a weekly show. And like, how are we going to do this? And then um, I think that there's a certain like there's that eagerness that we all have because we want to play these games. I think there's that eagerness that kicks in that everyone goes, I want to play this. Let's find a way. Let's make time. Let's make this happen. Yeah. So definitely more work. Um, but I think it would be great. And um, again, I'm I kind of wonder if like once we get that under like get our feet under us as far as um, you know that's concerned again, like. Um, we were able to produce this year because uh, keep in mind that over the course of this year, we made 26 episodes for Hell's Rebels or at the very least uh, recorded and released 26 episodes for Hell's Rebels. Uh, we also found the time during the course of this year to record um, six episode side story for uh, War for the Crown and 14 episodes a, of Tales from Darkmoon Vale. Yeah, 14 or 15 episodes of Tales from Darkmoon Vale. Like we were able to to produce an extra 20 episodes right there. So you know, that kind of goes to show right there that we could easily um, make a weekly Hell's Rebels happen. And I honestly, I think that for a lot of people, like Heather loves playing Cesare. Uh, Rachel loves playing Vittoria. Um, I like playing Lucia. I like being a Yeah, like I think everyone, like, <laughs> I, I think everyone really loves playing their characters. And, um, you know, it's fun to get more and more into... Um, the rule set and everything else for second edition. So, uh, yeah, I, if, if you guys can make it happen, um, I, I joked around about this with, uh, with Jordan earlier. It's like, I would really love if we could make this happen, um, before probably, I think it'd be February or March of 2025. Um, because that's the point that, um, war for the crown will actually have more episodes out than hell's rebels does. And it's like, yeah. I really don't want war for the crown to lap hell's rebels. <laughs> Is this a new hashtag? Hashtag, hashtag two e over one e episode count. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
I, I don't want to get into I, what I, I definitely don't want to get into that debate because I, I think it goes to show for us that we love I love both systems. I, yeah, I was um, going to say, I like both systems. There And I, I love both systems and I complain on both systems. Like there are things with first edition that I don't like and there are things with second edition that I don't like. Um, and a lot of that just kind of comes back to uh, uh, preferences and the, the way that we play the games. And I know that there are a lot of people that are like, I have no interest in playing second edition, but I really enjoy the story. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same way where people are like, well, I'm a first, it's like, I'm a second edition player. And I started with Hell's Rebels and then I finished Hell's Rebels. And like, so now I'm listening to Mummy's Mask. And it's a completely different game, but it doesn't change that the story is there. The characters are there. The fun is there. The, you know, the environment is there. Um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of glance off the uh, mechanical side of stuff, right? Like that's the, you know, yeah. it, it's the, the one thing I think that I like about our work, you know, in what we produce is it's very story driven. So if you are not as familiar with the system, it doesn't matter that much because um, you can just, yeah. you know, play happens, right? And we can role play and, and have a story um, there. And, you know, we fill in like the combat episodes where there are a lot of rules with like, you know, fun descriptions and reactions and all kinds of other stuff. So it's again, you don't you don't need to be like, you know, Rick is an encyclopedia of rules to enjoy. As. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's um, um, to, to use to use an analogy like it's it's like going on a road trip. Um, and it's, you know, some people are going to be more comfortable in a sedan. Some people are going to be more comfortable in a minivan. So the mechanics of what is, what is causing this you to go on your trip has changed. However, the scenery outside and the company that you have hasn't. Yep. And so if you're really there for that scenery, for the company, for the camaraderie, um, for whatever's playing on the soundtrack, you know, like that's all there, but it doesn't matter whether or not you're in a, you know, a, a RAV4 or a Chevy Sonic. Those just came out of thin air. <laughs> well, Rachel has a rap for it. I, I used know, to have a Chevy Sonic. That was the joke. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a good joke because I had to explain it. So, all right, moving right along to our next question by Tossed Right Out. Horror and tension set pieces? Mysteries? FTP Delta Green game win. I would be interested in doing um, Delta Green. To be perfectly honest, like, I'm going to throw this out here and um, I'm, I'm sure that I'm probably going to be starting a new, like, people bringing it up every couple of months or something like that for the rest of time because i don't imagine it ever happen as much as i would be interested in delta green i would love to do call of cthulhu i mean people obviously know that i'm a huge fan of weird fiction i have my uh collected works of hp lovecraft up there next to my collected works of edgar Allan poe and um, like i love fiction i love horror and um i honestly have always wanted to run horror on the orient express um, I know it's not Delta Green. It's, you know, much it's Call of Cthulhu. Um, so it's adjacent, but it's been a story that I have wanted to run for years and years. I have owned it in like three iterations and I've just never had the chance to actually run it. Um, so it is something I would love to be able to run. I would love to be able to explore other game systems. And that is something I hope that we will eventually be able to build towards. And part of the reason why actually um, a little behind the screens here, but part of the reason why we've been experimenting with the idea of uh, group size and group number because it does get difficult every single person listening to this right now that has ever tried to coordinate or schedule a gaming group to get together understands how hard it is to schedule six full-grown adults um and and none of us even have children and so like for people that it would be a thousand um, times worse if we had kids yeah i don't know i <laughs> it would be a thousand times worse on the scheduling front yeah it's, yeah like i i'm, I'm working to schedule <laughs> I'm working a, a, to schedule a thing right now to run a game um, uh, for Rachel's brother. 
And, uh, you know, and a large part of the, the struggle with that is, uh, is he and his wife are both nerds. Um, and so uh, it's like, okay, well, do they find a babysitter or do we go over there? You know, she's at that age where, she, you know, she goes down to sleep and she's out like a light uh, as far as her niece is concerned. So it's like, okay, well, we can figure out something. But it is that struggle. Of, like, how do you coordinate this many people's schedules and, you know, people that have to work weekends and, you know, uh, Heather works night shift and we're, we're trying to uh, coordinate everyone's schedule. And so part of the idea that I have behind it is um, eventually I would like to explore games that uh, work better for smaller groups potentially so that we can do side stories that are things like Blades in the Dark or Call of Cthulhu, where it's like I could do this with two players or three players um, and not need the entire you know cast and crew. Because, again, as, as difficult as it is sometimes to coordinate with um, um, I'm definitely not calling people out saying this uh, is not my intention, but uh, Heather and Ross, for instance, where you know, Heather has her night shift schedule um, and sometimes her schedule doesn't correspond with ours. And, uh, you know, Ross is a very busy librarian, um, which sounds like it would be a children's book itself. The very busy librarian. Um, <laughs> Mainly also, he also works weekends occasionally, right? Yeah, so and like, he also works we weekends occasionally. And, yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, uh, Rachel and I meet up with Jess and Jordan. You guys live like seven minutes away from us. Yeah, like we, we meet up so for dinner close. like two times a week and all the rest of that stuff. So being able to actually like coordinate things and do like, hey, let's do, you know, scum and villainy. Let's do Blades and Dark is all stuff that I really want to work towards. Um, so, yes, I would also want to do Delta Green at some point in the future because, you know, I love horror and mysteries and investigations and um, large Lovecraftian monsters. Yep. And uh, I haven't gotten to play Call of Cthulhu yet. Um, I know Heather and Jess have played. Jess actually plays in a weekly game of Call of Cthulhu yeah. that I haven't gotten to play, but I have been intrigued even if I am not as uh, uh, verbose in the uh, the literature behind um, Call of Cthulhu. You know, uh, I well like then, weird, I, 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 like I get to uh, <laughs> I get to surprise Jordan with something here. Um, I will be actually running a game of Call of Cthulhu during our, uh, our retreat at the end of this month, at the beginning of next month. So. Ah, you'll get to play Call of Cthulhu. Should I smile or should I grimace? <laughs> what is the appropriate response? <laughs> Heather, Heather for her birthday was like, I yeah, want I something say, like dark wants... and Lovecraftian. And I'm like, yeah, I can make I that happen. Say, it's because it's, it's Heather's birthday. She loves Lovecraft too. So I've yep. got so many amazing things. Um, That's going to be fun. But yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Next up. Um, also from Toss Right Out. Oh man, speaking of Foundry, I would love another setup Foundry tour. Although that wasn't that long ago, was it? Um, I think that was with Jessica, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think Jess did it maybe for one of her games. Um, I don't know if we could actually show any of uh, the actual Find the Path ones because you plan your stuff out well in advance, right? Um, I do. Actually, I could probably um, put together a thing at some point because I've had a lot of people ask me like what modules and all the rest of that stuff that I use because that's the whole thing with Foundry is yeah, you really have to find module. And, and to be perfectly honest, it might be a fun thing um, and a constructive thing for me to do because I'd be very interested for people to go on there. And if I'm sitting there going like, I really wish there was an easier way to do this and people go, haha, wait, there is. Um, because that's that's the whole the challenge with Foundry is is finding the right modules and using them in the right ways and uh, yeah, getting everything set up and setting also, up your macros. It's very different between 1E and 2E on what it's modules true. you want to have and things like that. Like there's a very different set that we have um, running in those two environments. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, might be a fun thing to do at some point. Uh, be a fun live stream, you know? You know? Yeah. And uh, I could even do it as a live stream. that would be so far ahead that uh, the um, 
the players wouldn't because I've actually got all of uh, book three for Hell's Rebels already put into Foundry. So I could start putting in some book four or something like that where I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I've to got everything be, set to up To be now. fair, yeah, I was going to say, one, we, you could just tell us not to watch the stream. We wouldn't watch the stream. And yeah, two, yeah, I trust like, all of you guys. Yeah, and, and two, uh, it... If, mem- if my memory is shot, like I can barely remember anything on a good day. So like you can yeah. tell me stuff, I'll forget it immediately. So the fact the simple fact of the matter is, is if you guys wanted to cheat, um, Jordan literally has the server that hosts the foundry and access to the foundry and Ross because of doing Dark Moon Bell also has access. So feasibly, either of you could at any point go in there. We also um, and have also the, in- the books. <laughs> yeah, and, and the entire podcast literally has access because uh, we're Paizo partners. Uh, we have access to every single PDF of every single book that Paizo's ever put out. So anyone in the podcast could at any point download the PDF and look at it. So I never really have to worry about because, again, that's always the it thing. It would literally with, uh, with ruin our time. You're just we ruining be, your own experience. We would literally ruin our own fun <laughs> if we did that. So it never, so, never going to happen. <laughs> But yeah, I think a Foundry uh, little live stream thing or something like that would be uh, a fun thing to do at some point. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. How cold is that tea, Rick? Oh, it's nice and warm. Oh, do you have it? You have a heater for it? Oh, yeah. So I've got a, a little, you know, my, my electric oh, kettle here. Fancy. Um, uh, for, right, that was one of the questions. That that was how, uh, I remember somebody thought that was coffee because they were like, oh, Rick drinking, you know, black coffee. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an Earl Grey hot guy. Um, so... Yep. All right. Anyway, now that I've completely derailed this again, make sure I didn't miss any questions. I will say, um, actually, Earl Grey, um, add a little bit of uh, uh, honey and lemon to that. And uh, if you're going to be storytelling for a couple of hours, mm, real good. Keep those uh, keep those vocal cords nice and silky get that, smooth. Get that mug warmer, too. Like, the mug warmer is key, because then it's always hot coffee or yeah. tea. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, that and I like a good, uh, um, good green tea. Mm. Yeah. I like green tea, too. I, I just like tea and coffee. Yeah. I just like to drink, y'all. I have a problem. <laughs> just like, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I mean, somebody my... mentioned chai, and I'm like, oh yeah, chai is really good. I, I love a chai latte. Oh. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm I'm not really a huge. Um, well, first off, I'm not a huge coffee drinker to begin with. Like, if I'm doing a, uh, uh, if I'm drinking coffee, I've usually added so much like stuff. milk and cream and all the rest of that stuff to it that it's barely coffee to begin with. And uh, for you know people not in the audio industry, you don't want anything with like anything lactose or related nope. to that before you start a recording because it it messes with your voice it also messes with your saliva production you become really really cognizant of the fact that you have tons of spit in your mouth um so yeah yeah i'm gonna edit that out in post <laughs> i already do all the time for yeah, everyone time. else but yep. but yeah so that's part of the reason you know nice hot drinks if you're if you're sitting down to game with your group it's like it's one thing of course you're gonna have your your can of coke and all the rest of that stuff but um Nice hot drinks if you're going to be a, a storyteller talking for a long time. Yep. All right. Anyway, uh, warm uh, lemon water. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everything in chat is distracting me now. Um, everything in chat is right, just like, will, ah, let's talk about will, tea. We will get past this. Um, all right. Fears Gaming uh, says, hey, guys, hopefully a quick question. I've always been enraptured with the descriptions you give the creatures when the players make the knowledge checks, Rick. Do you make them yourself or is there a way I can bring that into my GMing? Also, hope to see you guys at Gen Con. I hope to see you at Gen Con, too. Um, I mean, a lot of that just comes from the uh, as far as the descriptive text, as far as like the, you know, people have identified this and getting into what this is. Most of that just comes from the descriptions in um, the bestiary. Yeah, one specific, thing I will say specifically like the, the paragraph that they'll give that has like some behavior things and everything in there. Yeah. One thing I will say, um, and it's it's a minor gripe. Um is the fact that in second edition, I feel like the best gives you far less fluff. 
it gives you far less like descriptive text. It gives you far less about the monster. And so a lot of times before I run a game, if I know the party is going to be fighting against, I don't know, uh, they're going to be fighting a dryad. Like I'll look at the second edition thing and go, okay, here's the, and a lot of times in second edition, they'll give you like three or four sentences and then I'll go, okay, cool. Let me look up the, um, the first edition description of it. And then a lot of times that'll be a lot longer. And sometimes it's like complementary information. So I'll compile it together. Um, like I just keep a Google doc. That's like my master doc that I add in a whole bunch of headers and all the rest of that stuff for every, I have a Google doc. That's all my notes for each one of the games. Um, sometimes they're multiple hundred pages long and sometimes they are just a lot of it's like, here's a whole bunch of stuff about this monster. And uh, I always find it useful to also go onto the Pathfinder wiki and look up the monster on the Pathfinder wiki as well, which will tell you if there's an expanded thing. So for instance, if you're like, you know, not looking at, a, um, sorry, just try to go off one off the top of my head, uh, bearded devils. It's like, I'm sure that there's, there's a section about bearded devils in the Pathfinder two bestiary. And then there's a section about bearded devils in the Pathfinder one bestiary, but then there's also the book of the damned. Um, which might have a big section on bearded devils and there's like monsters revisited that might have a big section on bearded devils. And so you can look on there, you can look down at the bottom because it's a wiki page at the sources and go, okay, well let me go ahead and look through this book for more information about this thing. Um, and sometimes it'll have it, um, uh, basically shortened, uh, condensed in the, uh, the Pathfinder wiki description, which will give you more information as well. So, um, it's a little extra legwork. But I find it tends to be worth it because it um, it's one thing to say, like, here's a monster. Like, I personally, I love the Final Fantasy games. I really do. Um, and like, you know, I'll use the, you know, the, here's the thing to identify the monster, you know, skill or whatever it is in that game. And then it gives you that one paragraph that's about it. But like, I would be really interested if, it, if the Final Fantasy games were in a single cohesive world, which they aren't. But if they were in a single cohesive world, it's like, what would the actual like entry be for bombs? you know, or the yeah. behemoth or something like that. It's like, it would be this giant thing really talking about like the details of this monster. Um, I just, I love monster ecology. So, yeah. The other thing that I'll, that I often do, and this is especially good if uh, somebody's playing some kind of a summoner or something that that's calling in animals is um, look at the art and uh, oh, yeah. try to like describe, you know, this creature right so like yeah uh you know you you cast your summon monster and a uh a giant you know eagle with a white head and a yellow beak and black eyes comes you know shooting out of a portal you know like that kind of like you focus on specific details and kind of fill that in and you can do that just by looking at specific parts of the picture and kind of talk about like you know relative things like that and that gives people a pretty good idea um so that kind of works in a pinch if you're not um you know, if you're, if you don't have a huge description to go off of, or just don't have the time to want to go look it up and read it. Yeah. Um, sorry. I was just thinking, aha, I'm, I'm going to squeeze one in here right at the end. Uh, short story recommendation. Um, <laughs> we almost got through the whole thing, Rick. You love it. Everyone no, loves I, the I, short I like story it. recommendations. I really do need to like compile. I mean, most Truly, of them are all public domains. Like, we need a summer reading of all these references. I've actually considered doing uh, some dramatic re readings and, uh, and releasing them for the Patreon. Um, so if that's something you guys are interested in, feel free to throw them in the chats. Somebody already said, do it, <laughs> do it. I really love like good descriptive text because that's what really drags you into the story. I mean, that's part of the reason why like Edgar Allan Poe is so legendary, not just his mastery of the English language and, um, my personal love of his ability to somehow insert a sentence inside of a sentence and then insert a third sentence in that second sentence. My brain. Uh, the man is, yeah, the man is a master of punctuation. 
But if you want a really good story for, um, I recently read it. I think it's actually, I think it was in the collection that uh, Justin Jordan bought me because um, I just uh, recently finished going through that whole collection. And it was, uh, what is it? The Weird Horror Short Stories. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, Flame Tree Publishing. It was either in that one or it was in a different one. But there's a short story by uh, Francis Marion Crawford called The Dead Smile. And if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, it is a it is a really good like it has a twist in there, but it's one of those twists that you see from like five miles away. So you don't really read it for the twist, but the description, the way that like a writer that they're basically describing not only what you're seeing, but what you're smelling, what you're hearing, what the what the air feels like on your skin, like everything is really so immersive in this story. And just the uh, the horror bits are so good that I I highly suggest anyone, um, if you want to get better and better at description, uh, read very descriptive writers because that's yeah. what they're already doing is, is what you're trying to do is you're trying to convey an entire world with your words. And that's what writers have been doing for centuries, uh, for millennia, literally, is trying to convey a world through nothing but words. And while we have moved away, thankfully, from a purely oral tradition, because I don't have the memory for a purely oral tradition, I'm lucky if I can remember both. the names of the stories I read. You know, reading very descriptive writers is great for that. Um, honestly, like if you could find a uh, I'm sure somebody's made a list out there, which is just like, you know, the best uh, Ari Salvatore fight scenes because oh, no one so does good. sword combat he's like he so does. Good. Like, um, he's so amazing at it. It and, feels uh, like a movie when you're reading it. Like, yeah, truly. It, it feels like someone's doing a play by play. Fun, fun link back for any hockey fans. There is a. Um, he even talked about how like uh, watching hockey is one of the reasons that he got so into describing fights. Sometimes when you're reading his stuff, it does feel like it's an announcer trying to explain what just happened in a play. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, the the players down on the ice and it's like, well, he moves to the left and then he flanks out to the right. But then he spins around and goes the opposite direction and then he brings in his stick. And it's like it's a very similar thing when Ari Salvatore describes uh, fight scenes in like the Dritt series. If you haven't read the Dritt series, um, honestly, Homeland by itself, it's the first in the chronologically. It is the first and it is the first in the re-release of it, even though it was as far as the book release is concerned. I think it was uh, book four or maybe it was book seven. But yeah, Homeland. Definitely go and uh, and give that a read if you're looking for combat stuff. And uh, the I, Dead okay, Smile I was, I was is there, a I was very... Like, I've read that one, right? Yeah, I think I've yeah. read that one. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 the Dritz origin story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely read that one. And yeah, the Dead Smile by uh, Francis Marion Crawford is um, it's a very short read. Most of the stories that I read are usually like five or six pages, seven pages, because I'm a very busy guy, but I love to read, and so like I love short stories because I can just sit there, I can read it, I can go. That was an amazing story. All right, move on with my day. I had something to add. Oh, anyway. uh, sorry. One last thing before we move on from this question. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other thing, just a quick tip. Adjectives are your friends. So I'll use the exact same thing that I just said about a bald eagle getting summoned in. You summon in this eagle that comes out of a purple portal. Uh, it's snowy white, you know, head uh, matching by a chocolate brown body, right? Like just adjectives like that just really increase yeah. the, the descriptive text. So that's another like quick and dirty way that you can like make something like really pop out is just by adding a couple more adjectives how very lovecraftian of you and uh -huh, that lovecraft yeah. is the master of the i can do it um, too rick take that <laughs> it's true uh honestly lovecraft is the master of the hyphenated adjective god so much <laughs> that's what that's when you god. really get into it god i will Painful. warn you of course that uh as i always do like to warn people that might not be as familiar with older writing though is, is you do always i don't think in the dead smile i don't think that there was anything too but there is always those like you know again lovecraft's work in the racial component and um you know getting into things like uh 
phrenology and all the rest of that stuff that yeah yeah i mean a lot of the older writers had uh let us just say very um inappropriate views from today's world point because uh yeah we have evolved as a society but it doesn't mean that you can't go back and still appreciate uh the quality of the writing even though that there's some horrible things around it yep um okay moving on then um katrin q how does editing work for Darkmoon Vale? I assume that Rick still edits, but is it more of a collaborative process with Ross to ensure foreshadowing other GM hints don't hit the cutting room floor on accident? So the advantage of how we did Darkmoon Vale this time was that we did record all of it before we released any of it. So a lot of times if Ross is doing any foreshadowing, I'm aware of it because I saw the actual result of the foreshadowing later on in the story. Yep. Um, I do the editing for it, although... Um, with the first episode, Ross was uh, was sitting there with me um, when I did the edit for that. And periodically, Ross does come over and, uh, you know, we'll just hang out and we'll do, you know, an edit together and all the rest of that. So um, I wouldn't be surprised doing an edit together, you know, stay up and yeah, you know, just hang out, do an edit and talk about things and pause periodically and carry on conversations. And I always joked around with him. I was like, we should like, you know, do live stream stuff of this or whatever it is. We're just like talking about, you know, whatever's going on and Livestream um, editing would be very interesting. Some people would really like it and some people would hate it. <laughs> uh, probably like it's, it's a weird, um, it's, it's kind of weird sometimes when, uh, I'm sitting with Ross and I'll be going through, um, especially if I'm editing something that I myself have done. I was going to say you know, when it's your own voice, well, it's so weird that, uh, it's, it's funny because it's almost a director's commentary thing where like, especially if I'm far enough ahead that I'll be like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I put this in here and then this was for this reason. And, um, it's funny because we haven't really changed as people because obviously that was only a couple weeks ago, but enough time has passed that we've forgotten things. And so I'll be editing and then I'll stop to remove a sound and then I'll comment on what I was saying. Um, and then, or I'll comment on something like Jordan just made a joke and I'll comment about that joke and then I'll start to play it again to keep going. And then, you know, I hear myself commenting the exact same thing that I just said. That's the like, scariest oh, yeah, have, part. Is we have the exact, exact same person. Same, you know? I make the same <laughs> jokes with the same input. It is weird. Ross did sit with me for the, uh, I think it was actually the first two. I think it's the two that were out so far. And then um, uh, likely he'll probably sit with me for a couple more of them just to make certain that uh, what he wants is in there. Uh, Generally speaking, there was a time where we had a conversation about um, Ross doing the edit for this instead. But I mean, again, this is my job now. And so, um, you know, one part of it is this is my job. The second part of it is I do have six years experience in audio engineering Mm now. And so... um, you know, as time has passed, uh, for instance, Jordan used to do the uh, share memories and I took over doing the share memories back from Jordan because this is my job now. Um, (laughs) And so giving everyone else back a little bit of their time is also the idea behind that, where um, I can take on a lot more of the burden and the load. You also enjoy it more than I do. (laughs) Just plainly. (laughs) I think I mentioned before, once before that usually an edit would take me about four hours. And uh, since I've been doing this full time, a lot of edits have been, uh, will be about like six hours or so for me because I'm really going in there into the minutia and, um, you know, making certain like everyone's tracks are individually EQ'd and all the rest of that, just mm-hmm. to make certain that I'm producing the best possible content that I can. Um, and I learn something new all the time. Like, you know, I follow so many, uh, editing, uh, audio blogs and all the rest of that stuff and subreddits, uh, just because there's always more to learn. Yeah. Well, and there's new stuff that comes out too. Like there's new tools and new, um, techniques that people come up with that uh you know yeah. it's it's always good to look at those and just see like you know is that something that we could adopt yeah it's it's funny because we'll have people reach out every once in a while that say that they're starting their own uh podcast or that they're looking at starting their own podcast or doing something with it and asking 
advice or suggestions or anything like that. And uh, one of the most common things that I have to get back to them is it's, it's an unfortunate response that I have to give because I never mean it to sound dismissive is um, you just kind of have to take the plunge. Yep. Um, it's, it's kind of you can read books and blogs and all the rest of that stuff about storytelling or about playing Pathfinder or playing whatever game. But it's not until you're actually sitting there and going like, now I'm storytelling, now I'm playing, now I'm doing this thing that you actually get into it and understand like, you know, this is how it all actually comes together. And it's much yeah. the same with audio editing where it's, you know, it's not until you're actually in the thick of it and going, okay, yeah, you know, like my voice is very bassy. Ross's voice is fairly bassy. And Jordan's voice is bassy, but not nearly as bassy as Ross or mine. So I have to cut the bass out of mine a lot more um, and then cut the bass out of Ross's. And then, you know, but I can't use the exact same thing for Jessica or Rachel or Heather. Like if I use my EQ on Rachel, you know, Rachel's already a lot of trouble. And so that would just really sound off. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that you learn from, you know, uh, what is what is that saying? Uh, what was it? Good decisions come from experience and experience comes from bad decisions. Yeah, like I, my background is in software engineering and, and computer science, and I went through a four year degree on computer science, and it's very different learning how computers work and actually building software for computers to work like that's a I had to make a lot of bad, mis bad mistakes. <laughs> bad decisions yeah. that's the thing is oh somebody has put it in uh, on her wisdom comes from experience experience comes from bad decisions no i'm just paraphrasing my thought my father was one of those like really good at pulling uh quotes out or paraphrasing quotes I'm and so yeah, i know a lot of well I, I know a lot of like uh kitschy quotes and sayings and all the rest of that stuff but i'm always paraphrasing them so i always get them off where it's you know um yeah i'm just half talking about it really yeah, but no, I, to, to kind of finish my thought, it is the same thing of, you know, I went through four years of college and I learned a lot more actually building software than I did in the classroom yeah. as far as how it actually works. And, yeah. you know, every engineering is basically the same um, way because uh, uh, engineering is the application of best practices, but you only learn the best practices by knowing why they're the best practices in a lot of cases. So you need to go, you know, fry some circuits, um, miscut a couple of boards, you know, whatever it is in your specific engineering that you do to be like, oh, that's why we measure twice and cut once. You know, you've got to at least do it yeah. once. I suppose to throw another, uh, you know, com or uh, another common saying is, uh, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So it is that <laughs> whole like, again, you have this plan of what you want to do with it. But, you know, it's once you actually start getting in there and experiencing it that you have an idea of, of what goes into it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, all that just to say, you know, like as far as Dark Moon Bell is concerned, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the edit and all the rest of that stuff for it just because I have the years of experience and, uh, you know, no need for Ross to stress himself out trying to do something that I could do more easily with more confidence because I have more experience in it. Yeah, that's the thing is we will always try to compare what we are doing to Rick. And so Rick has a lot more experience at it. He can do it faster and better because he knows all the tricks of the trade, right? So like me or yeah. Ross, like I know how to do editing. I can do the basic kind of editing, but I have no idea how to do EQ. Like that's something when you, like, I know what it is, but I don't know how to do it. You know, that kind of stuff. Like I don't have yeah. the uh, the nice uh, bookshelf speakers that you have that you, you use for, you know, all the leveling and everything. Like, so there's there's a huge component in experience, a little bit of hardware, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it, a lot more than I think most people think when it comes to producing like a, a podcast. 
Yeah. And and again, it, and it's the same as across the board where it's just like, if it's a technological thing, I default to Jordan or Jessica because like, I don't yeah. know, I'm, I'm a hardware guy. Like I, I love cables and cords and physical microphones and all the rest of yeah. that stuff. But Whereas I'm like, I, I've got, you know, 15 years of experience working yeah. in software. So like, I know everything there is to know about software and, and computer related stuff. So like the circuits and all of that stuff, like I know all oh. that stuff, but that's like, Rick is like, Hey, this is not working correctly. And that's like about yeah. the extent, you know? <laughs> well, it's, it's like, I've been <clears throat> um, fighting with Google for three weeks now. I was going to say weeks our, at this point. Yeah. Um, and Suffice it to say, like, they are not very, uh, very cooperative. And it is that, like, I keep kind of like, I'll reference, I'll, you know, reach out to Justin Jordan and all that. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking for here because, you know, Google's customer service is literally non existent. So I'm like, yeah, all right, well, I could keep looking for things. Yeah. yeah. It's like I could, I could spend, you know, 15 hours looking for this or I could reach out to Jordan who already knows the answer and yeah. could implement a solution to this in five minutes. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a good message also for everyone that's out there tabletop gaming and all the rest of that stuff of don't feel like you have to beat yourself up to know and master all the rules and all the rest of that stuff of the game. If you have someone else at the table, as long as you're trying to improve, if you have someone else at the table that also knows the rules, just don't rely on that person exclusively. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh on her makes a reference to uh, electricity is magic. Let the magic blue smoke out of things and it stops working. Um, so I have a, <laughs> I have a related story. So I, I did not, I don't know how to build hardware. Like I do not know how to do all the circuit printing and design. I had to take classes in it in college. And I took one class on uh, uh, circuitry on how to build circuits. And they told us you are going to burn out a circuit at least once. Don't worry about it. It's, you know, a thing that happens. And they talked about the magic blue smoke, uh, which is when you fry a circuit, it's ozone that comes out of it. <laughs> and it's, it's very, uh, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's very much like a, uh, very disappointing to be like, oh, I ruined that. <laughs> Whereas in software, I can just say control <laughs> Z and fix it like done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, not enough uh, talking about that. Uh, last question, <laughs> unless anybody wants to sneak one in last minute. Uh, quest for stuff and things. I love that nice. name, by the way. Uh, asks, does Find the Path have any plans to go on their own path to clarify homebrew campaign? So conceptualizing um, a homebrew campaign and things like that, like that's something I have done before where, um, you know, I've thought about like what elements I like from what adventures and what elements I like from what fantasy settings and how I would build my own homebrew campaign. And even a little bit like when I was looking into Blades in the Dark and all the rest of that stuff, it's like it'd be interesting to set it um, in a city other than Duskfall that's elsewhere in the world and, and all the rest of that. As far as Find the Path having plans to do that is uh, is an emphatic no. I find myself in a uh, position a lot of times where like, I have a document that I've been uh, putting more and more things, more and more things, more and more things over and over and over and over again into um, that is strictly, I think it's basically like a 35 page now thing just on the city of Cantargo, where I've yep. taken the city of Cantargo and I've expanded it. And I realized over time that like, I have a lot of creative energy and I can use that creative energy, I think, very well in story. Again, there were like three episodes of Hell's Rebels that were completely my own creation, wasn't even in the book um, that we did in this last year. And um, I think that a lot of people enjoy that. And again, as Jordan stated, you know, it came across as being seamless. But I do find I work a little bit better when I'm going in and I'm expanding upon something that already exists. I'm not a, really a solo person. 
Like I, as a person, I feed off of group energy. Like I've realized that about mm -hmm. myself over the years. Like I do like to have my time alone and I do like to, one of the reasons I like to stay up until early in the morning working and things like that is I do like those quiet hours where everyone else is asleep and I'm just like, it's just me and the audio and I'm just doing my thing. But at the same time, when it comes to like a, a big project, like find the path has been, um, I'm very much into that collaborative creative experience. And I get that to a degree when it comes to expanding upon an existing world. I love taking a, I was recently looking through the new adventure path that just come out a uh, season of ghosts. And I was looking at the setting for that and the world for that and, and how it's set up. And the, the challenge that Paizo runs into is that they are creating a published product. Uh, whereas I am not. I'm creating an audio produced product. Um, and anytime that I'm writing things out, I have no word count that I have to stick to. I have no page that count that I have to stick to. I have That's no editors that I need long, to worry. Everyone. That's how it's 35 <laughs> pages of yeah. Contargo stuff. Because I sit there and go like, what about the architecture? Like, what is the architectural style of this bridge? Because you just told me that there's a bridge. But what is the architectural style of this bridge? What's the design of this bridge? What's the exact spacing of this? Like, you know, what kind of shingles do they use in the city? You know, what is the guard rotation? How many people are on a standard guard watch? What animals outside of just, you know, horses and donkeys would be common in the city? How bad's the rat problem? If the rat problem's not bad, how bad's the cat problem? And so, like, you go into it and you, you start expanding upon it, and that's what I really love doing. Um, I'd be interested in doing some homebrew stuff, but interestingly enough, if I were to get into homebrew, I would almost want to do it as a collaborative experience, either with the rest of the crew or maybe even a collaborative experience with the community as a whole of just creating a thing, putting it out there and then letting people message me back in and then kind of taking that and then rolling that all together into a single cohesive whole. Um, so really, yeah, as far as uh, homebrew stuff, um, not really something that I'm all that too intrigued in, in getting into. And some of that is also, um, even early on, some of that was a marketing decision for the podcast where it's a little easier to sell you guys on, to sell most people on the idea of, I'm going to be doing a thing and you already have an idea of the baseline quality yeah. because Paizo produces amazing adventure paths. And so when I put out and said, Hey, we're going to be doing war for the crown. A lot of people went, Oh my God, that's great. That's going to fit perfectly with you because I know, exactly I know what, what war for the about. crown is. You know, but if I put out a separate thing, it was just like, I'm going to be doing this completely separate story, you know, my Cats of Ulthar inspired campaign or something. I mean, even that was <laughs> I, I'm taking you know, an existing thing that. and expanding we it. We would absolutely play that. Yeah, it'd be something that people would probably be interested in, but you don't have a baseline to compare it to. You don't know what you're getting into before you, you start it. And there are a lot of adventure, or sorry, there are a lot of actual plays that capitalize on creating their own worlds. But I sometimes think because it is a single person's vision... And it is something that they are constantly like growing and expanding. It's a single person's vision that they are then having to incorporate five or six or seven or however many other players into that. It sometimes stagnates. It's not something I would really be interested in doing for the podcast. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, the other thing is we, you know, when we go and we evaluate like what's the next story we're going to do, we have tons of Paizo produced um, adventures that are amazing, frankly, like yeah. true works of art. Right. And we can pick one of those up and, and we can do it. And Rick can at, write 35 pages of architecture in Contargo, or <laughs> we can, you know, put a ton of effort into a new world and just hope that everybody likes it. Um, and that's pretty risky. Um, honestly, I mean, we've got a, a really good track record with stuff, but we've never tried to do, uh, well, an entirely new world, <laughs> a whole new, no, world. I mean, I've, I've done tons of side stories and expanded things and, um, that are just like this is kind of based off of I mean even the the side story that we did for the A side or for the B team is um, based off of 
the quests that they have in there. Mm-hmm. But I expanded a lot of it and changed a lot of it to make it, you know, Fair. I took a quest series that six quests that each one of them is supposed to be one hour and I produce 12 hours of audio content before it's edited down. And so you just kind of expand it and you grow on it because that's just kind of what I do. Um, so there's one part of me that I do like the idea of uh, like going in and basically programming my own video game and making the video game whatever I want. But there's another part of me that just goes, you know what? I do kind of like playing through um, Stardew Valley and I've made my farm however I want it to be and incorporated all the rest of that stuff. But it's still like I'm I'm putting my stamp on this, but it is still an established thing that if I ask somebody, hey, do you want to join me for a game of Stardew Valley? They already know what the game is. It's just whether or not they'll like the layout of my farm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last question here. Checking the chat one more time. Last question here. Uh, McCheese Cat, if there is a Gen Con meetup, will there be a game of Truco? And I'll go ahead and tell you, you know what? I will not bring a Truco set. If somebody brings a Truco set, I am down to clown. <laughs> and I will be making yeah, a clown of myself say. because I, I cannot take that game seriously. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that'd be very difficult to do. If you wanted the most Texan thing, um, I saw recently uh, a tabletop toss. <laughs> uh, I saw a tabletop version. Of, uh, and by that, I mean, like, it's, you know, tiny little beanbags and all the rest of that stuff. Oh, if you want to play cornhole, because Texas loves cornhole. <laughs> Dude, they really do. It's crazy. Down there. <sighs> it's 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 every family gathering that I go to. Um, I, I grew up very much in the country. It is you know, truly as far wild. As... Like you can they buy they, like you can buy really nice, like custom design with your family's crest or whatever, you know, stuff on it down here. And it's just like, yeah. It's just putting it's putting a beanbag in a hole. There's not there's no need to be fancy with my my favorite's always the ones that's like the Dallas Cowboys ones and all the rest of that stuff. Oh, yeah, like, this yeah. has nothing to do with football. Why <laughs> like why is there the Cowboys star? Other than the fact that they're like overhand slap. throw yeah. it in there. <laughs> It'd be fun to I mean I'm certain we'll probably have some games there. Yeah. Again, if somebody brings it, I will play it. Promise. Again, our our plan is to be there to uh I don't think that there's any plans. I'm certain that Jessica will probably do the coordination and all the I mean, rest of like that stuff. This is like over six months in the future, so there's yeah. a lot of time for things. I mean, we to... plan ahead, but yeah. um, I, I think really the plan is is we want to go there and we want to meet people, and uh, we're more than happy to meet people while playing a game of you know whatever tabletop <laughs> meet game. Meet you like on the Truco field. <laughs> we'll meet you on the Truco field, and we'll we'll talk shop and all the rest of that stuff. But again, I I do just look forward to like like we've kept coming back to during this entire conversation is we do just enjoy talking shop like we love this yep. game and i look forward to talking to other people that obviously love this game as well and if hundreds of hours haven't taught you we like to talk <laughs> so very much how many hundred how many hundreds of hours do you think we've actually produced at this point like a thousand hours i mean it's difficult to tell exactly but yeah, I, uh, like, I can't i don't actually know it's like gonna be a lot <laughs> it's a large number more than 500 hours i can tell you hold on let me pull up a calculator here real quick yes we are leaving on me asking my own question during the q a <laughs> Our current feed for the Find the Path podcast, just the Find the Path podcast feed. Uh, average episode length is about 72 minutes. There are 391 of them. Therefore, that's uh, 469.2 hours. On one channel. Yeah, on so just this channel. Basically 500 on just one channel. Wow. But yeah, I guess that gets us to kind of the end of this. And um, again, we honestly, we've already made our big announcement as far as uh, Gen Con 2024 coming up. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, we are going to have a guest for our next after party, which is going Ooh. to be on February the 3rd. And that's also going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. We're going to hopefully not have any technological issues with this. 
uh, but that is also while we're uh, away on our little uh, retreat that's going to be for oh, right. uh, Heather's birthday. <laughs> so uh, we're going right. to figure out how well we can do that with some uh, some shotgun mics and all the rest of that stuff. So I don't know who all is going to be in attendance because we're all going to be there. Uh, but I don't know if we're all going to just try to cram on one sofa or something like that. So that'll be an interesting experience. So uh, the next after party will probably be a little different, but we will have a, uh, a special guest there as well. So definitely come and check that out. Yeah, other than that, again, as always, uh, I think as we have a lot during this one, um, shout out to all of our patrons. All yeah, of you are truly. amazing. Thank you for all of your patronage, your support over this last year. Um, thank you for your continued patronage and support going into the new year. Um, if this, if you've been kind of putting off, if you've been wondering, like, eh, do I want to back them on the Patreon? Please do. Make us work. <laughs> Put us to work, y'all. <laughs> It's true. I, we're, I we're really, doing that thing. I really we're plateauing, we we're plateauing on our on our effort here. We need to, you know, have somebody push us to really go to the, that next level in our um, uh, trying to make this make an exercise thing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> to encourage us while we're going. Yes, encourage us. Well, and also like now is a great time to get into Tyrant's Grasp. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of episodes, especially because like if you join the Patreon, you're getting twice as much Tyrant's Grasp as you would have been getting a year ago. Yep. Like it is a weekly, you're getting 52 new episodes every year and Tyrant's Grass has been killer figuratively and literally. So yeah. uh, go and check that out. And outside of our patrons, and I, I know we say this often, but I do want to reinforce this. Thank you to every single person that just listens to us. Um, you are all amazing. We really appreciate it because again, I'm not exaggerating when I say that each and every one of you are at the table with us. Like we are aware that we have these, this amazing community of people that listen to us and we are, you know, I can speak for myself. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we are, are touched and astounded that there are people that are eager and excited to just meet with us at Gen Con that are eager and excited to engage um, in the story that we tell. Cause it's, again, if you told me six years ago, you know, when I was sitting there going like, I could do an actual play podcast. Before we even bought anything for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and taking like, I, I literally, I got a Christmas bonus and that was like, I spent all that money on buying microphones and all the rest of that stuff. You know, my childlike dream back in my um, early thirties. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you had told me that I would be actually doing this as a full-time job, that seems insane to me. And, you know, storytelling is something that I've been engaged with that I've been doing since I was 13 years old. And so it is a it is a passion has been a passion of uh, pretty much my entire life. And so the fact that because of people backing us on Patreon, the fact of people listening to us, uh, talking about us, sharing this community with others, you know, we have thousands of people that listen to every episode as it comes out. And that is amazing. You know, I never really thought that my stories would get beyond the four or five people that I sat at the table and told them with. And so thank you all for your continued patronage and support. You made 2023 an amazing year for myself, obviously. I, I think for Jordan as well. I think we can say for the entire podcast. And I'm really excited to see where we can take this in 2024. We're taking it in person at, at, at least once. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be meeting people. And who knows, you know, if things go great with this Gen Con, maybe next year we'll see about setting up a booth or doing something fun. So again just thank you all for your continued support without a doubt it gets me right there yep right you can't the say past the microphone but right in the feels <laughs> right in the feels right in the microphone <laughs> right where's where the feels are <laughs> that's where that's where i keep all my feelings <laughs> 
so yes, thank you all again. And uh, I suppose then check back in with, uh, well, I mean, the adventures will be continuing nonstop. So you can go and check those out as uh, you're obviously listening to this perhaps on Twitch, or maybe you're listening to this on the Find the Path podcast feed. So if you haven't had a chance to go and check out Hell's Rebels again, it's great. Go over to the uh, Find the Path Presents feed. Check out that. Check out Tales from Dark Moon Vell. And uh, until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Bye, Pathfolk. Hear the, the, the music of whatever your favorite uh, thing is transitioning in. <laughs> 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 <laughs>